Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, June 28th. It's Destination Health Day, and we've got a big day lined up. We're going to jump in and get right to it. Lauren is here with me this morning. We've also got a great guest coming back. Uh, Let me get things started here. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. I'm looking forward. We've got uh, Dr. Edward Griffin joining us again. I'm excited about this. Yes, it's great to have him back. I know. Last, uh, So you know what? Let's just jump right in and, and get him in the conversation here. Dr. Griffin, good morning. Oh, let me try that again. Dr. Griffin, are you with us? Uh-oh. Angie, help me out here. What's going on? Technical difficulties. Yeah, can't be on my end because if I can hear you, I should be able to hear him. Let me put him back in the queue. Angie, uh, pick him up, see if you can hear him. Hmm. I'm not doing anything weird today either. You know, I've been telling everybody all week I'm going to be playing around with technology this week, so expect some issues, but I didn't want to do it when I had a guest on. So that's not it. I mean, I'm just using our normal setup. Let me see. (laughs) Oh, we dropped the call. So I guess we're going to work to get him back in here. Let's see. All right. We're working to get him back in. Um, We could talk about my garden if you want. I'm always ready to talk about the garden. Okay. (laughs) And I'm always ready to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I am still just blown away by how much. I mean, we're already getting summer vegetables. I mean, cucumbers. I'm going to have tomatoes before long. Everything's really early and just really growing like crazy. The, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do with all the onions I've got. Like, I think I'm just going to start oh. giving them away. Yeah, it's, I've got a lot and they're big. All right, we've got, uh, we've got Dr. Griffin back. Let's try that again. Dr. Griffin, good morning. Oh, let me try that. There we go. Are you with us? Are we, are we on now? We are. Ah, there we go. Perfect. Excellent. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing this Good morning? Good morning. Wonderful. Great to have you back. Lauren's here with us as well. Excellent. Good morning. Good morning, Lauren. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. Excellent. Great to hear. All right. Dr. Griffin, What uh, before I get started, I've got uh, like three topics right off the bat I want to run by you and get your opinion on. I'm sure Lauren has some stuff. What's uh, what's new and exciting in your world lately? New and exciting in our world is uh, we're talking about all these new products that we're talking about with Sovereign Silver right now. And uh, so our the healing gel that we want to talk about, the natural healing gel, uh, definitely that is going to be launching soon and we are pre-ordering now. Uh, so very great, uh, nice, easy to use squeeze tube instead of the previous glass bottles. People used to complain about the uh, last little bit getting stuck in the bottom of the glass bottle. So hopefully we can get more out of these tubes now. Got so it. that's exciting. And then uh, just always new things coming out. And uh, we're, we're, we have some lozenges that are coming out. We've got a acne line that is going to be coming out this fall. So, so many new things in the works that we're looking forward to. Wow, that is exciting. So, let's talk about yeah. the first aid gel, because I have a question about it. 
Okay, so, let's hear about what's your question about the first day, Joe. So our results with it around here and, you know, from our tribe have been fantastic. I mean, the healing, it's just incredible. Lisa got a really nasty scrape on her lower shin, like just took off uh, several layers of skin deep and, and wide. And I thought, ooh, you know, and the lower it is on the legs, that, well, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, I am blown away by how fast and how well it healed. Just incredible, right from yeah. day one. Um, no real infection set in at all. It stayed nice and clean and pink and just really started healing right away. And that, that's been the feedback we get from everybody. So yesterday, um, our dog, Diesel, had I could tell he had an ear infection. And he just had one a couple weeks ago, maybe a month um, you know, the first one, I didn't think anything of it. Took him to the vet. They gave him something. I wasn't even really paying attention. He was fine. But when he gets another one, then I'm going to start thinking, why did he get another one? You know, we're going back to the vet. And the day we took him back to the vet, he was actually starting to show some improvement. You could tell it wasn't bothering him quite as much. I wanted to just let it go. And it's Lisa's first dog, and she's a little more concerned. So she said, we already have the appointment. Let's just take him in. So... We take him in, the do and the first thing I said is, look, I, I want to know why this is happening. I, and now they're going to prescribe him a, you know, an antibiotic and some steroids. And I said, well, can we just let it go and see? And, and what is the root cause? Why is this happening so we can address that? So they go down, they take some samples. It turns out there might be a little bit of a yeast infection. He's got a lot of dirt in there. And it's because he's been digging in the garden. He loves the garden. And he gets his whole head involved when he digs. So I'm thinking, okay, he's getting dirt in there. We need to stop that. But I said, what if we just give this a little time? Let's not give him anything right now. Or what if we were to try some topical silver? And his concern, he didn't say, no, that doesn't work. His concern was he couldn't tell if there was an open sore in there. And he was concerned that he could absorb too much of the silver internally. And at first I thought, oh, all right. And I thought, well, wait a minute. That's what we do with this. We're putting it on open wounds. So is this any, would this be any different for a dog? Uh, that's, that's great is um, we do have a pet line. So it would be no different for a dog versus a human. Is we kind of, we've got similar systems on how we get rid of things. And we actually, we make actually a pet line. So, and really the only difference between our pet line and the line for humans is really about dosage. Because if you think about, you know, if we're talking about dogs, a Chihuahua and a Great right. Dane are both dogs, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's about dosing and size wise. Right. So whether you're talking about the fineness sprayer, putting it in their water dish, or even the topical healing gel, so amazing that they're, it's so versatile. And that's one of those things is I, I, I use this all the time when I'm talking to people is it's kind of like uh, the scene from my big fat Greek wedding when they talk about Windex and we put it on everything, <laughs> spray a little Windex on it. It's, you could put it on almost everything. And I find like when I'm talking to people, I, I feel like a, a broken record sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah, just put, put a little silver on it or oh, take silver for that. Oh, put a little silver on that. And I'm like, Wait a minute. It, it, it does work for so many things. That, that's what I thought. And I the, the whole idea of he might absorb too much internally, I thought, well, that doesn't really make sense. That's how it's designed to be used externally, but on open wounds. 
Exactly. And the fact that, you know, I think a lot of times it's when a vet or a doctor doesn't know about the product or they've heard the stories and the myths about silver and how it can cause argyria or it's a heavy metal and all those myths that we hear that are kind of misconstrued. And that's one of the things we like to do is educate people on the differences about a colloidal silver versus our silver, which is a bioactive silver hydrosol. And this is why it's so important about the form of silver. Silver's, a colloidal silver is really easy to make at home. It's a process of electrolysis and using a little bit of silver and water. But is your silver pure enough? Right. Is your water pure enough? What are the particle sizes that you're getting? Are you getting a positive charge out of the particles? And so it's, and then what is your true parts per million? Because if you're just testing it with a typical, you know, a measurement tool, it tests for the number of parts per million, but is that silver parts per million? Is it fluoride from the water? Is it chloride from the water? Is it something from the silver? Is it really pure silver? So that's one thing that we really focus on is, you know, if the zombie apocalypse happens and I want to have silver around, I want to know how to make my own. Yeah, there you but go. But <laughs> while I can while I can buy it, I want a company that is reputable, that looks at it under microscopes, that knows it is what it is, it says what it says on the bottle, it is what it is on the bottle, and it's you know the purest, safest form. And that's what we always talk about. I always talk about the four P's when I'm talking about silver. So it's going to be the purity, of course, that ninety nine point nine 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 percent pure along with pure water, that means there's no contaminants. That means you've got water, you've got silver. And then we get into the particle size, and this is where the colloid versus, we call ours a hydrosol, because all hydrosols are colloids, but not all colloids are hydrosols. It's all about the size of the particle. So by making a smaller particle, our particles are between 0.8 and 0.85 nanometers. So this is where you talk about nanoparticles (laughs) and how small it is. And that's why, and this is when, you know, you talked about the vet saying, oh, it might, uh, you know, about accumulating or it might be dangerous. It's not dangerous because it's so small. These particles are now, once they get to the liver, whether we're talking about humans or animals, they're now going to be bound to sulfur particles and they form these silver sulfide bonds. And I would say 98 to 100% of the silver is eliminated within 24 hours. So this fear of accumulation of the silver because of the purity, because of the cleanliness, because of how safe, safe, pure, and effective we always say about our product is there's not going to be a bioaccumulation. So there's no need to worry about this, this fear for argyria, which is the bluing or graying of the skin with our product. And we've actually got a statement from um, Dr. Dana Flavin, who was part of the FDA and worked with the FDA uh, and saying that our product, Argentin 23 and Sovereign Silver, will not cause Argeria. So, so details I think matter. that speaks to the safety. And, and that's it. Is, yeah, the details are so important. And anytime I talk to somebody about silver, that's the first thing I talk about is, you know, I'm, yes, I work for a silver company, but make sure you're getting what you're paying for. And it is what it says it is. And we got the pictures to prove it on our website. We've got a, uh, a comparative analysis tool of our product versus a lot of our competitor products under microscopy and what ours looks like. And it's the picture's worth a thousand words. It's absolutely amazing. And I use it all the time. 
you know, so many of these issues we talk about, we try to simplify them as much as possible, but a lot of this is really nuanced. You know, here's my next question. Is there a module mm -hmm. in medical school where they teach doctors how to poo-poo a supplement, even if they know nothing about the supplement. They seem to be very good at that. The minute you start to recommend right. anything other than a pharmaceutical, they it's almost like they, they just turn on the script. And I swear they're all taught and the same thing. I, I think that's exactly true. Is I believe that they're all taught the same, the same script. And since the 1920s and Rockefeller and uh, big oil and big pharma all started becoming evident and taken over and becoming the monopoly is pharmacology and big pharma took over medical schools. Prior to the 1920s and 1930s, homeopathy was taught in medical schools. Silver has been used for thousands of years as an antimicrobial. And so all of these, all the plant medicines that we use, all the botanicals, and then suddenly, as soon as we got this alternative in big pharma and suddenly you could put a patent on something suddenly it all became about money and not really about health and this is something that i've believed and it's why i went into naturopathic medical school instead of traditional allopathic school is i think they, they are taught the script they are taught it's an algorithmic approach to medicine is if you walk into a doctor's office and you have a headache here, take this drug. If this drug doesn't work, we'll try this drug. If this drug doesn't work, we'll try this drug. If this doesn't work, we'll call it idiopathic and we'll send you off to a psychologist. And, and <laughs> you know? after we give you that one drug, we'll give you two more because we know you're going to end up with some side effects. So you'll need these as well. Right. Um, and, and then exactly we'll, now we got to treat the side effects for all of the symptoms that we caused from the first drug. And some and of so our drugs it's, actually it's a cause, great business model. Yeah, really is. Some of our drugs actually cause more than just side effects. They cause whole new syndromes. But then we'll have another drug exactly. for that too. So you're okay. Exactly. And I think we can talk about that with everything that's happened over the last several years too. Is we have these things that just they they created a problem so that they can create the cure. And, which creates another problem, which creates another cure, oh, and is an amazing business model, and why big pharma is making billions so, and trillions of dollars, and so it, here's, just, it, it seems to perpetuate. Here's my next question, because we can trace that in you know big pharma back a long way. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Right. Have, have the vets all fallen prey to this now? I, I think that I'm seeing this happening in the vet world. And I used to brag about vets because you go to the doctor, no matter what you tell them, they never, ever ask anything about your diet, ever. But the vets at right. least would yep. always ask, what, what is the dog's diet like? But What's now, the dog eating? Yep. Now, here's what I'm seeing more and more of. One, I'm seeing all these drugs for animals now being advertised. And the commercials are exactly like the commercials for human drugs. The dog's sitting there on the examining table. The vet opens the door, steps in. What's going on today? Well, my dog seems to have this itch. Oh, he has this, and there's a name for the condition, and we have a drug. That's the the whole right. interaction. The, the vet hasn't even made it to the table yet to even touch the dog or look at it, but we already know the solution. And I'm, it's right, just like exactly. I'm seeing more and more of that. Yesterday, I'm sitting in the vet's office and I see this poster on the wall. And it's talking about 
Um, is your cat slowing down or not climbing stairs? Got all these little pictures of cats behaving certain ways. And then there's a uh, QR code. Scan the QR code and play this game. Well, I can tell you exactly what this whole thing is leading to. It, there's some drug somewhere for your cat. I'm sure of it. Exactly. Yep. I completely agree with you. And it's I, I believe that Big Pharma has found is we all love our pets. We'll do that, anything for our pets. And Big Pharma found another niche business. And it's, hey, this works in humans, and we have this model that we've now sold all these drugs. Let's now move it over to the pet industry and create the same thing. So, But, I mean, animals are amazing. How many animals do you know that like taking the pills? Oh. You got to hide it in peanut butter. You got to hide it in something. The, the animal doesn't want to take this drug. They know no. it's not good. Their sense of smell, their sense, just their feeling. They know it's not something that's natural that they need. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk, you, you were just talking about your dog in the ears is, uh, you know, ear infections happen. Dogs go outside. They play in the dirt. It happens. Why don't we, and this is, I wrote an article not too long ago um, talking about, I called it wash your nose. You know, if your hands get dirty, you go out and you wash your hands, right? And we wash our hands all the time, constantly. Why don't we wash our noses? Why don't we use a nasal spray to clean when we've been around sick people? You know, we've been yeah. basically our noses become dirty with a virus or a bacteria. Why don't we wash our noses? Same thing. Why don't we rinse the ears with something that's antimicrobial, something like silver, it's so beneficial. Just a few sprays in the ear that's going to be antimicrobial and not affect, and this is a big deal here, is not affect the biodiversity of the microbiome. So we could talk about gut health at this point is once you're taking an antibiotic, whether we're talking humans or animals, suddenly we're jumping into this killing off all of the microbiome. Which was my and concern here. Antibiotics. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Antibiotics kill indiscriminately. So they don't just kill the bad bugs, they kill the good bugs too. And there's, we are finding out there's so much research popping up in just the last year about probiotics and the gut-brain access and the gut-immune access and all these things that tie together so well. And we have more bacteria in our, on our body than we have cells. So we're actually more bacteria than we are human, which is mind-blowing when you start thinking about it. One of my favorite books is actually the title of it is 10% Human. And that's the topic they talk oh, about that, that we're really only... Now, yep. I've actually heard two different measurements. Let me see if I can remember this right. If you talk about the number of cells, we're about 10% human. The, the other, uh -huh. you know, bacteria, yeast, fungi, all kinds of other living things make up about 90% of our cells. But then I actually read a statistic that said if you measure total DNA, we're like 1% uh -huh. human. That, that exactly 99% of the DNA in and on and around our body is not human. That's insane. Exactly. Yep. When they started doing the Human Genome Project, this was mind-blowing to these scientists, is we started mapping out the human genome and looking at the DNA, and they thought, oh, humans are such complex individuals <laughs> and complex organisms. And then when they actually got it mapped, we have a fraction of the DNA that, you know, 
plants have and that bacteria have. And I, I think it's like like 250,000. No, wait a minute. 23, like, I think it's 23,000. Right. That 23 and yeah, me. 20, right. Yep. It's the, the 23 me. And it's right. like 23,000 genes that we have versus it, like a banana that has like a million. Yeah, or there are earthworms that have more DNA than we do. More pears and, and exactly and, yeah, earthworms. Come on. What? So, so yeah, so, how bizarre. So we're actually a rel- relatively simple organism. Right. You know, when we look yeah. at it. Yeah, it seems kind of bizarre. And... You remember back then, the talk was that when the Human Genome Project was finished, it would revolutionize medicine. We would have custom medications based on your genes. And what happened? Yes. That never came to be. We were going to cure all kinds of cancers with this. And and it just kind of slowly went away. Nobody talks about that anymore because... It turns out that the genes have very, very little to do with our health. Right. And I think, and this is where, you know, as a naturopath, this is where you mentioned before is the root cause for your dog's ear infection is what is the root cause? What caused these issues that we're having? Why do we pay more for healthcare today than ever before in history? But we have a sicker society. We have more chronic illness than ever before. And my belief truly is that it relates it. I take it all the way back to food is so, we eat today a worse diet, more calories and less nutrition than ever before in history. You want some so numbers we're intaking for that? all this quantity. Yeah, I'd love the numbers for that. Because I that's one of my headlines that I pulled for today. 60 percent of calories are from ultra processed food. 60 yep. percent. Wow ultra processed so we're talking the stuff really now that barely resembles food it, it's you could take 100 ultra processed products that all look wildly different and really they're all exactly the same they've got all the same uh, yep, ingredients exactly with, with a couple different formulations and flavors and processes but but they all end up being horrible seed oils grain based and then a bunch of chemicals Right. And now let's add in today the talk about, uh, oh, I, I, I don't want to get too political at this point, but is oh, all of the things that have happened in the last, all the things that have happened in the last few weeks with trials and, you know, we talk about political stuff going on, but how about the fact that they just approved the um, artificial chicken or lab grown oh, oh, chicken meat, oh, I think. Yes, they did. I, I you know, when is, I, when I used that to didn't see, make headline news. No. And when I used <laughs> to see these headlines, because I dig deep into the news every day, it's what I do. I honestly thought they were spoofs or satire. I, I, I really didn't think we were anywhere near creating lab grown meat. I guess I tried right. to block it out of my mind because that that's are we really going to go down this road? I, I think that's where they're going. And how about also the fact that, you know, Bill Gates just bought out, you know, a, a huge percentage of the farmland in America. Or the Chinese. And how about now this? Yeah. Or the Chinese. Or is Bill Gates the, you know, the puppet of the Chinese? You right. know? So how does this all work? And it, it, it goes deeper and deeper than we can even imagine. And I like to think it's it's. I like to think, you know, it's it's the spoofy headlines, but it's not. It's this is what's happening today. 
and even things that you know we talked about five, ten years ago that oh this will never happen and it's happening today. The dystopian society is happening. We're at, we're at the beginning of 1984. We're at the beginning of the brave new world, and or midway through at this point because it is happening. And it's just mind-blowing that we continue to let it happen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We, we've got this split occurring, I think. You know, we, and I use this analogy a lot. We, we talk about, you know, let's go back to the, remember the 1% financially, the whole Occupy Wall Street, the 1%, you know, right. evil. And uh, it's kind of funny because really almost everybody, and not everybody, but almost everybody, that, that would be their goal to be wealthier. Uh, the odds of that happening, of you ever becoming part of that 1%, are extremely rare. It's the 1% for a reason. It's ridiculous amounts of money that they make. And I don't have a problem with that. But I'm starting to see that we're going to split society another way. There is a huge push towards what you and I do. I mean, there's there's a good size right. movement. It, it's grown a lot over the last decade. It doesn't seem to be losing steam. It's not a fad. And those people are becoming outrageously healthy. I mean, you can look at the people that do this and see that they're, I, I even say they're more human looking. They're, they're Yes, exactly. And, and they're becoming I think I, I just crazy saw, healthy. But yeah. on the other hand, the rest of the population everything about their diet is getting worse. Food is becoming more and more processed. Now we're, we've got all kinds of alternatives for fake meat, which is just a horrible idea. And I tell people, look, you're never going to become the 1% of the wealthiest. It's just not going to happen. But you can become the 1% of the healthiest. It's totally in your control. It's not even that difficult. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's just amazing that is I saw a meme recently. I think I was just on Facebook or something this morning and I saw this and it showed, you know, the the scientist and it showed a picture of Bill Gates, obviously being, you know, kind of jokingly. And then it showed this other individual. I didn't recognize who he was, but the the uh, the not the scientist and he was healthy and he looked happy and had a smile on his face. It wasn't RFK Jr. It was just my. It wasn't RFK Jr. Okay, no, I've seen a few things with him. Yeah, so. But yeah, it's yeah, this guy with gray hair and a beard, <laughs> and uh, but he's healthy. He's, he's right. shirtless, and then it shows it, Bill Gates being overweight and, and pudgy you know, looking. Gynecomastia and, looking and, and, and pudgy looking. Pasty. And he's the science guy that we're trusting. <laughs> yeah, pasty that sits behind a computer all day. But this guy that's healthy looks like he exercises, looks like he eats healthy. So, and he's the one that is the not scientist like really so how about we go the, back to what our ancestors did th- there's actually a worse uh issue like this going around with some memes and it, it does have rfk jr in there because the whole joe rogan invited uh, rfk jr to come on his show and debate peter hotez on the vaccines he's a huge vaccine uh-huh. advocate still pushing hard for him he was right in the middle of all of this and, and still claims we're all going to die from COVID if we don't get vaccinated. And the, the scientist who's been one of the leading scientists that we've been taking advice from all through the pandemic refuses to come on and debate him, just won't do it. Right. So Joe Rogan said, hey, look, I'll donate $100,000 to a charity of your choice if you just come on the show. And 
he still uh-huh. turned it down. And then other people started adding. The last time I checked, there was a pool up to $2.6 million and he was still turning it down. Because he knows he can't. That's exactly He can't right. he debate can't, it. He can't. I know. And then the memes started they showing up. They keep repeating because, the same thing. Yeah, he's a They pasty, keep repeating the same things. Mm-hmm. He's a pasty looking, flabby scientist that does not look healthy in any way at all. And then they show RFK with his shirt off and he's buff and, you know, he's older and he's yeah. looking incredibly healthy. I mean, everything about him just looks healthy. And then I, there were actually doctors and they identified themselves as doctors making comments like, well, you know, you can't just go by somebody's appearance. They actually started claiming that RFK was taking steroids and that made him less healthy than the scientist. That's the best they could come up with. There's zero proof that he's taking steroids. Nobody knows that. And I can look at him and go, steroids are you kidding they're like nobody could get that buff and build that kind of muscle mass at his age bullshit i see it all the time i can tell you when somebody's on steroids or not i used to own a gym and steroids were big we you could see it immediately though we knew who was taking and who wasn't and i promise you if i I can't believe that rfk is taking steroids there looks to be zero evidence of that Exactly. I see no evidence by even looking at him. And you know, he, he looks healthy. He yeah. looks like he works out. And I can speak even personally. I am a almost 50. I don't want to admit that I'm almost 50. <laughs> but at almost 50, I'm in better shape than I was in my teenage years. I, in my teenage years, I ate the standard American diet. I went to the drug pushers, I mean, doctors, I went to, um, you know, is I did what standard America did and I gained weight, you know, I was over 200 pounds and now I found naturopathic medicine. I started yoga. I started exercising. I started eating better. Is my diet perfect? Not always. Do I try to eat better? I eat better than 95% of the population. Exactly. Right. And at almost 50 with some health conditions, I'm in better shape than I was in my teenage years. Lord. So it just, it blows me away is once you figure out it's, it's, it's root cause. And I, I tell people is I, I went to naturopathic medical school. I spent four years learning about this. You, you ready? Here's naturopathic medical school. Take out the garbage, give the body what it needs. It heals itself. <laughs> That's naturopathic medical school. You're right. The rest of it is the art of how to do all that and yes. what is garbage because garbage for me isn't necessarily garbage for you like let, let's talk dairy some people can absorb dairy some people See. have no problem with dairy but now you got the people that can't do dairy but now are we talking organic grass-fed pasture-raised dairy A2. or are we talking mass-produced you know commercially grown all the chemicals all the hormones all the antibiotic dairy yeah, there's going to be a problem there. So it's not it's not the dairy the problem. And uh, I, I heard a long time ago, and when they started talking bad about beef, it's like, oh, beef is bad for you. No red meat. No red meat. <laughs> it's not the cow. It's the how. Not how. Not the the cow isn't innately bad. Cows have been around for millennia. We've been eating cows for millennia. It's not that the cow is bad. What has changed? We have these CAFOs, the commercial animal feeding operations. We don't have farms. 
We don't have happy cows. We have cows in pens being fed crap that they're not supposed to be fed. Do cows eat soy and corn? No, cows eat grass. They're ruminant animals. They got a four-chambered stomach for a reason. They can digest grass. So why do we feed them all this crap? Because it makes them bigger and fatter faster. So now we eat these animals that got bigger, fatter, faster, and we're getting bigger, fatter, faster. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you How know, is here's, this not science? How does this not make sense? <laughs> here's one of the ir- ironic things about that, because we've followed that where, you know, 90 plus percent of my meat is from regenerative farms. Um, I'm even trying to move yep. more and more local with those farms as I'm able to. Uh, you know, for a while I was shipping things across the country so I could get the best quality meat, but it's becoming more and more common. It's getting easier for almost everybody to find local. Uh, hit your farmers markets. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll see the these beef and chicken, you know, and and pork producers at farmers markets. You can see their farm. You can see how they're raising things. So that's always been a big push for us. And and in so many ways, yeah. that's good for us. It's good for the animals. It's good for the planet. So many benefits. And I, I you know am into regenerative gardening. I've you know Joel Salatin is one of our regular guests and. Um, I, I've learned a lot of these, you know, regenerative farming practices and I'm using them in my garden and it, the results are just incredible, um, the changes. But I will even say this, we have seen so much, we, we have a lot of success with carnivore. As, as the more carnivore we can get somebody, the better results we seem to get. Um, I don't know if maybe that's because we worked with a, a pretty metabolically damaged group. Uh, truck drivers have huge health concerns. We've talked about it with you in the past. Uh, originally, right, the food we, desert. Yep. Yeah, originally we did a lot of you know uh, keto, uh, really nutrient dense keto was was our goal, and then we started seeing that you know the more animal products we added to that ketogenic diet, the better our results got even to the point where I will say from my experience and what I've observed, if you can take somebody off the standard American diet, put them on a carnivore heavy diet, even with the worst quality animal products, they get healthier. Yeah, that's true. So we, we you know, we, we t- try to meet people where they are. You know, if, if we're trying to radically change your diet, now we tell you you got to go find all these farms and they should be raising their animals like this. It's just one more hurdle to try to get somebody over. And we found if we don't push that issue too hard in the beginning, let, let them just shift mm-hmm. away from the ultra processed food to more animal products. Let's not worry about the quality right now. We see really good results. I'm actually kind of shocked. But then... Yeah. You'll almost always run into some issues if they keep just eating the, the poorer quality. And that's when we start talking to right. them, okay, you want to solve some of those final issues. You want to feel even better. Here's the next step. You know, we need to, and dairy is a great example of this. I'm actually dealing with it myself right now. I have said for years, um, and I'll go back to your statement, Lauren, since you've known me, how many times have I made the claim that in my 50s, I feel better than I did in my 20s? How many times have I said that? And I know people don't believe me. I'm sure they don't believe yeah, me, no. but it's absolutely true. And now I get to say I'm in my 60s and I still feel better. Although just recently I had an issue come back. I had 
horrible digestive issues my whole life. I, when I was five and six, they were already trying to figure out what was wrong and originally just said it was lactose intolerance. And that was part of it, but wasn't all of it. Um, and then when I was like 10 or 12, I went through a week in the hospital with every digestive test they could do. And they said I had colitis and wanted mm-hmm. to put me on a low fat, you know, high fiber diet, which never worked. Um, and I always felt miserable. So, and I just dealt with it most of my life. I didn't know what else to do. I tried high fiber. I tried everything they recommended, more water, more movement. Nothing ever worked. I just had just horrible digestion. Uh, as soon as I started eating this way, digestion started to improve. And then there were some things I had to work on. A fat digestion, it took a lot of supplementation to get my fat digestion working the way it was supposed to again. And I got to the point where I said, I, I feel like my digestion is really handled. Like I don't even know I have a digestive system anymore, which is kind of nice. It, it, there's just no indication that things are happening. Things just work the way they're supposed to until just recently. Great. Yeah. And I started getting some oh. of those weird symptoms back again. And I'm, I'm thinking, what is going on here? What changed? And it dawned on me what changed. I, for whatever reason, have allowed quite a bit of conventional dairy back into my diet, not paying attention. And, you know, more cheese than I was eating before, uh, more just regular dairy ice cream, where normally I make my own ice cream and I use coconut milk. Uh, or, you know, we make a lot of yogurt around here. We use A2, really, you know, high quality, organic, grass-fed A2. And if I do that, all my problems with dairy just disappear. But I, I just realized I had yep. allowed more conventional dairy back in and I was starting to feel it. Yeah, I think that's huge is that conventional that you're mentioning is versus, and, is, uh, you know, conventional products, it's not necessarily that the conventional product is bad, but what, how has it been raised, how has it been treated, what's been put into it. So that conventional dairy, we're back to the hormones, the antibiotics that that animal was fed. And how about even the energetics is that animal that's been stuck in a pen all day, stuck inside all day, not being outside, being yeah. an animal. That's what yeah. animals Absorbing do. Absorbing sunshine. Let them, you know, yeah. Yeah, fresh yeah, air. Yeah, how much is the energy from the sun, the fresh air, all of those pieces all together that accumulate? So it's not necessarily, and we, I talk about this with gluten all the time. You've had this, we've had this huge outbreak of everybody's got celiac disease. They don't really have celiac disease. They have non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And it's not that the gluten even, how about that almost all wheat is sprayed with glyphosate? <laughs> all wheat is sprayed with glyphosate to dry it. it, it it's used as a desiccator to dry it out. I, I, I so, so, if you're, so Dr. Griffin, mm-hmm. I have to, I have to warn you. Um, you just changed the rest of my week. I am now going to get blasted with emails from people with agricultural backgrounds telling me I'm, I'm spreading lies again. Because I talk about this okay, all Oh, I'm the sorry time. about that. No, you're fine. I'm, I'm actually, it's tongue in cheek. I talk about this all the time. And when I do, I have a document right in front of me from Monsanto explaining exactly how to use glyphosate as a desiccant. The plants are saturated with it two or three days before harvest. This is disgusting. Exactly. And, and the, these, these yeah, um, and agricultural people argue with me. You're lying. That's not true. I grew up around farms. It never happens. It may not have happened on your farm. I get that. 
I'm not saying every farm does this, but I promise you it's happening and it should stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I believe I think it's so funny how they try to debunk us all the time by saying, <laughs> oh, we're making this up. We're making this up. <laughs> what about the proof? What about I've seen the pictures of the people spraying the fields yes. wearing, you know, full on hazmat suits. But it's safe to eat this thing that we're now spraying. You, you got to wear a hazmat suit. But you want me to eat this? I, I don't after, think so. After you have saturated that plant that I'm going to eat. This right. Just, and now how about, uh, let's go back even for Let's look at the rat studies that were done on Monsanto and glyphosate that only lasted like, I believe it was 60 or 90 days. And after the studies were done, they stopped talking about the studies published. Every rat in the study got cancer <laughs> yeah that's bad after the study was done <laughs> nobody <laughs> talks about that so do you want some good <laughs> news on this topic safe. i would love some great news there's on some topic. really good news and i really hope it catches on now i've got some numbers that i haven't verified yet i, I will go do it but i'm pretty confident they're probably close um, and this actually involves artificial intelligence which has been another one of my hot topics um, there is now a, a, a machine on the market. It exists already being sold, already being used. We have some numbers from it. It's called the laser weeder. This is a, you tow it behind a tractor. It covers three rows of crops at once, and it can kill 200,000 weeds an hour with no chemicals, just lasers. Wow. It is so incredibly accurate that even when the crop is very tiny, still young, this the AI distinguishes and is accurate down to a millimeter and can distinguish between plants and even knows, based on which weed it sees, how much power the laser needs to use to kill that weed. That's amazing. So um, yeah, it, I mean, it's amazing. 80, We've got these plant identifiers. 80, yeah, we got plant identifiers on our phone even that we can take pictures I, and I, identify a plant. And what I use mine all the time. I have one called Picture This. Yeah. I, I use it all the time in my garden. It's I love it. Um, so 80% reduction in cost of weeding over other methods. Wow. 80%. So I said, I wonder what this thing costs and is it is it practical? Is it cost effective? Somebody sent it back to me and they, they I, I, these are the numbers I haven't verified. The machine's a million dollars, which sounds really, really expensive, but the break even is two years. Right. If you have it a break even in of, two years on a million dollar machine, that, that machine is going to save you an awful lot of money after that two year break even. Exactly. And think about if you have to buy all the weed chemicals every year, year after year after right. year, and you're spreading over huge amounts of acreage, what's the cost of that? That I think that's where a big not part only of the, the savings cost. comes in. Right, right. Exactly. But not only the health cost, but now you've also got the financial cost. Yeah, I'm, you know, wondering so, when they're going to make a small one for my garden. Exactly. <laughs> it's less than a million dollars, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little less. It needs to be a little less than a million dollars um, to make it worth it. Because I, I am the sole weeder in the garden. My hands are the yes. only thing that tears weeds out of the garden. There's no chemicals anywhere. Um, and it's going to stay right. that way. But, uh, uh, you know, a little robotic laser weeder would be pretty damn cool. Wouldn't it be amazing? Yeah. But 
I think there's also now the benefits of how about now you're out in the garden, oh, absolutely. fresh air and you're earthing and you're grounding and the happiness that you get from doing that little task. And you know what? You're not sitting behind a computer. You're not next to your phone. You're out there in the environment and being part of nature and part of the whole cycle. I am a fairly new gardener. This is really about my fourth season of serious gardening. Throughout my life, I've attempted gardens. You know, it's spring and they have tomato plants at Home Depot. Buy a couple, stick them in. You know, at the end of the season, you get your tomatoes that cost you $32 a piece. Um, but it's very satisfying. Right. That, that's been my garden experience up until now. And I've always wanted to be a gardener because I love food. I'm a foodie. I love to cook. I do a lot of fermenting. So I've, I've really always wanted to be a gardener. And I, I just, I always thought, well, you know what? I just don't have that green thumb. It just doesn't seem to work. And all it was, was I, I, for most of my life, I've been too busy to put any time into it. So I was just kind of playing at it and it wasn't working all that well. And I thought, you know, now I have more time. And actually it was COVID that did it. The lockdowns, when there was nothing else to do, I decided to tear out half yeah, exactly. my lawn and expand the garden. And so this is about the fourth year. I, People come by, they, they actually ask me if I'm a master gardener. I'm like, I'm a total rookie at this. I, I've just been playing around for the last four years. But my method is try everything. Just try everything and see what yep. happens. And I, I learn Try everything and see what works. Yeah, that's it, science. Yeah, that's exactly. That's science. That's the experiment. I, I Gardening learned. is a experiment. Is what can we make grow better and I, faster and with less chemicals and less cost? And and what I've been watching this whole regenerative, you know, no chemicals, composting, building a, an an ecosystem, and to walk around my mm -hmm. garden now is incredible. They are, and I do a lot of flowers as well, and the flowers bring in pollinators like crazy. So I've got four or five different species of bees all over the garden. I've got hummingbirds, I've got butterflies, I've got just just this in wasps all over. There's just this incredible living ecosystem that if you walk, you know, into any yard around me, it doesn't exist. It's not there. And then worms. Oh, I don't, I, I think I'm, I think I have a worm farm is what I have now. You can't stick a shovel in the ground without Cutting worms in half, there's so many of them. And fungi. Right. I love well, it that's a I huge get, part of the composting. I, I know. I, and I love yeah. when I get, you know, outbreaks of fungi all over my garden. All kinds of crazy mushrooms just pop up everywhere. It, it's just incredible to watch yeah. this. Yeah, the whole process of everything growing. And I mean, like, I'm I'm originally from upstate New York, so it was like, like puffballs. There's just a fungus that grows, it, and yeah. you can eat it. Yeah. And they're amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's like absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm still learning. I now live in Florida, so I'm trying to uh, figure out the ecosystem in Florida. It's a little different it's than challenging. upstate New York. It's challenging. I it, lived it's in Florida. Challenging. And between, between the over hot days and the over wet days is where do you find that happy medium where you can grow something? Yeah. And I'm experimenting with growing. Uh, I, I planted a pineapple and a mango tree. Oh, nice. Uh, that I'm trying to grow from seeds. You know, and nice. so it's I'm experimenting a little bit. And then so, like, oh, I bought an organic pepper and I planted the seeds. And it's really about trying to figure out how the system works down there. Oh, yeah. So. It, it, you know, and I, I'm in a really, really unique growing area. And, and I have one kind of downside and we have a ton of wind. I'm in the gorge. You know, wind sports were developed uh -huh. here. All the wind sports on the water, kiteboarding and uh 
all of that. So it's a lot of wind. But other than that, I have almost ideal conditions. I mean, our summers are mid 70s to mid 80s, pure sunshine and low humidity all summer long. The only thing I have to do a lot of is water because we get none. We get like zero rain all summer long. So just that means there's a lot of sunshine and things grow really well here. So um, here's something interesting that that I've learned in gardening, and you'll really appreciate this. So it really is incredible how similar even plants are to us in a lot of ways. And, And one of the things that's interesting is, you know, if you're doing chemical gardening or chemical farming where you're just using the the three big chemical fertilizers and everything grows big and green and it looks healthy and it's very uniform especially if you're using like you know um, hybrid and gmo seeds things are really really consistent and they're pretty and they look really healthy and you know what they're not they're horribly unhealthy and that's why we have to use so many chemicals they can't resist any of the weeds they can't resist any of the bugs they can't resist any of the fungi and the um the fungal infections so we have to put all kinds of chemicals on them to stop that and you know we don't stop to think why what what's going on well now it makes total sense to me the other thing i've always wondered about you could have i don't know 10 plants in a row doesn't matter how many one of them, one or two, will always be the one that really gets attacked more by bugs. And I could never understand what's going on. Well, it turns out that they're very similar to us. The healthier that plant's immune system is, the less of help it needs with any of this stuff. A really good, healthy plant doesn't get attacked by bugs or fung. And you think, well, why not? Why doesn't the bug eat that? Well, because it's got a a strong immune system that puts out chemical defenses. And that's exactly it, is that strong immune system. And even the phytochemicals that a plant puts out, it, it, it works the same way human does. It wants to live. It wants to strive. If you get, and this goes back even to what I said previously, the naturopathic medicine comment is same with plants. Take away the garbage, yeah. give it what it needs, yeah. and it grows. They, and it's amazing. And now we could back into our food sources and all the issues too is talk about these foods and growing your own garden from organic, you know, heirloom seeds versus the monocropping from all of the, you know, when we're commercially growing, people aren't allergic to the nightshades. They're allergic to one family or one species of a nightshade. It's that one tomato that is perfectly red, that's perfectly round, because we want <laughs> all tomatoes to no look identical. Taste. And it has no taste. And no taste. Yep. We've all bred all the tomatoes, so they're exactly the same. And, oh, now I'm allergic to tomatoes. You're not allergic to tomatoes. You're allergic to that tomato yep. and its brother and its sister that are all now related. And we've basically created this, you know, uh, we've decreased the genetics and it's all got the same genetics. So the heirloom tomatoes that are bumpy or that are, are you know, little green or yellow or orange, they don't look like a tomato. It's still a tomato. And they're healthier for you than any other tomato out there. Let and, me tell oh, you. my God, the taste. Oh, yeah. Let's just talk it's, about it's, taste for a minute. Uh, all the vegetables that come out of my garden, there's nothing at the grocery store that compares taste-wise. Not even close. Yeah. Uh, tomatoes are a really so good I, example, but uh, peas, garden peas, mm-hmm. 
you've never experienced yeah. a true pea until you get a fresh one right off the vine, and it's not. There's nothing in the store like it. Right. I'll say the same thing about eggs too. If you have oh, yeah. your own chickens yeah. growing in your own backyard, and how bright the yolks aren't yellow; they're this orangish. This, they look like the sun. They it's do amazing. look like this the orangey sun. yellow. Great analogy, yeah. And, and it's amazing. It's because they're getting nature. They're getting the energy of the sun. They're getting the energy from the bugs, the things that they're eating. And, oh, the amount of lutein and the amount of zeaxanthin and all the amount of, you know, everything that goes into See, these things is absolutely amazing. And you know what's and crazy? Getting back to nature. Let, let's just think about this. And you and I and Lauren, you can jump in here too. We get excited about that, right? You, you see a really well-raised oh. egg and it tastes so good or the vegetables. We're, we're excited about that. But all we have to do is go back about 75 years maybe now and weren't all eggs and vegetables like that we treat them like it's something special but it wasn't that long ago I know. all eggs and vegetables were like that and we're paying a paying a premium for them <laughs> to food yeah <laughs> exactly and back when our ancestor our grandparents called it food now we have to have processed food or organic we got to label it we just used You're to right. call it food yeah, it was just an egg Right. It wasn't an organic, but you know, pasture was, yeah, raised. Exactly. It was just they an egg. They all were organic. Right. And pasture exactly. raised. The chickens Everything were just running around outside like they're supposed to. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. Um, I, I know we are uh, cognizant of your time today. You've got uh, another event coming up here in just a couple minutes. So I wanted to make sure we. Yeah, I got another appointment time. going on. Yep. Um what do you want to close with? Any two, you're coming back next week, right? I'm going to be back on next week. Yeah. So, yeah. So I believe good. July 5th, next, next Wednesday, we'll be chatting again and talking a little bit more so we can continue this conversation and talk more about silver and copper. And let, let's actually, let me throw silver and copper into this for a minute too, yes. is silver being naturally found in our water sources and the antimicrobial aspect. How about we are actually, we started working with um, right now, it's called citrus greening in Florida um, is mm -hmm. the citrus cops are getting destroyed by this bacteria. It's an it came from Asia, from China and this fungus that is or this bacteria that has come over. And now we're actually doing some work with citrus farmers to see how silver can stop this bacterial growth. Ah. And then we're also, how about the fungus? You mentioned fungus growing in the garden. Copper is an amazing antifungal. So this, when we're talking silver and copper and how beneficial they can be to gardening, how about adding up, just spraying the leaves of your plants with a little bit of silver? So, so not only is it great for us for wound healing, but now we're getting a little bit into our fruits and vegetables too. Would silver wow. work on mildew? Silver is antifungal. I would try it on mildew. I've never so actually there, tried it on mildew, but I would definitely try it. So one of the issues I, I can sometimes struggle with, I have a really natural remedy for it, but I was wondering if um, silver would work. So there's uh, there's something called powdery mildew, and it tends to affect uh -huh. um, vine-like uh, cucumbers that grow long vines, uh, melons, squash, things that grow those big, long vines. They've got the big, broad leaves. They're really susceptible to this powdery mildew. The, the leaf starts to get this uh -huh. white powder looking on it, and it will spread like crazy if you're not careful. Like, you even get, uh, you've got to disinfect your shears that you cut with. Um, neem oil actually works. 
and neem oil is totally oh, safe. Yep. Yeah, you can spray neem oil right on the food and pick it and eat it. It's that safe for humans. Right. And it does work good, but I, I was just wondering if silver might be an option for that. And I, I bet it I have not tried be it, a really but... weak solution. I wouldn't think it would take much. Yeah, it doesn't take much at all. I think it would be amazing to try that. Um, I'd love to, yeah, if, if you try it on that, I'd love to know how it works. Well, now I have to actually, but, uh, I will probably try to have to induce powdery mildew because my plants have become, been getting so healthy, I hardly see it anymore. Uh, I can induce it, right, though. They, I can. It only takes a couple nights of watering it late at night when it doesn't have time to dry, and then it sits with the water on it all night, and I can almost induce it to happen. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. If you can induce it, I'd be interested to try may, it and see how it works out. I may do an experiment. That's kind of my garden is just a giant experiment. Um, I even have a I section. I think gardening is an experiment. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. I even have a section I call the chaos garden. So I do plant everything oh, nice. from, from seed and I recover all my own seeds, especially when I find a variety that really works well, then I just make sure that I just keep recovering those seeds. But you, when you're planting, you know, in the greenhouse in the beginning, you always have a handful of seeds left over. I just started throwing all the seeds I have left over into one bucket. And then when I'm done with all that planting and the gardens going, I take that bucket and I go dump it over in a corner of the garden. And I call it my chaos garden. And see what I just grows. see what happens. Yeah. Nice. I did yeah. that with some composting when I lived in Arizona, and just all of our extras went into a uh, pile. And uh, eventually, we started growing some. I think we had pumpkins and some viney things. It was amazing, all the things that we had growing out of there. So. That, that's kind of how I got this idea. It was my compost pile that potatoes kept growing out of and tomatoes and pepper plants would pop up because you throw the old plants in there and they have seeds on them. And then, you know, things start growing. So I thought, well, why not just go with this? Just start throwing seeds over exactly. there and see what happens. All right, so we, we've got to cut nice. you loose, but you're Excellent. coming back next week. Um, Perfect. I'll be back next week to continue the conversation, and we'll chat a little bit more. Perfect. We will and talk will to be you good. Then. Thanks so much for your time. And, it was such a pleasure chatting with you, and I look forward to chatting again next week. Got it. Take care. Thanks, Dr. Griffin. All right. Thanks, Lauren. You take care. All right. Uh, Lauren, don't we have some sort of special going on? Uh, yes, for Sovereign Silver, we do. Oh. You get a free yes. immune support travel size when you purchase $50 or more of Sovereign Silver. No code needed. All you have to do is add the travel size to your cart and everything else happens on its own. Um, I, you know, I, I've said it before, I have to say it again. This was a product line I was concerned about. I, I, I After spending time with um, uh, both Dr. Wolfson, who is a big, big proponent of both of these products, copper and silver. In fact, he's kind of like the official spokesperson for Sovereign Silver. But that's how I was introduced to it when I was with him in Vegas. And then uh, he introduced me to Dr. Griffin and I got to hang out with him for several days and I just learned a ton. But I was still, the, the copper and silver are kind of like a real niche market in supplements. It, they're not really widely used. And now I understand why. And he explained about colloidal silver, which is what we typically see in products and why that's not the best form. And I never understood that. I just knew there was always a lot of controversy. 
Uh, in fact, I told people many, many times over the years, no, I, I don't use colloidal silver. I, I've done the reading and the research and I don't see the benefits and, and there are potential downsides. So I stayed away from it. Um, once I got to spend time with, with Dr. Wolfson and, and um, Dr. Griffin, I really started to understand the difference again. It's the form, it's the quality, it's, it's, it's the details that matter. And these two products, I, again, I thought, oh, if we bring these in, can, you know, are they really that useful? And wow, the feedback we get, and, and my experience with them, I said the, the wound healing is incredible. The immune support, these really are, uh, once you get the right form and the right quality, these are really amazing supplements. Yes, I agree. They definitely are. I did, there was one thing that I, that I want to get, you know, understand a little bit more about the silver and using it for wound healing. And that is, because I know it's antimicrobial, antifungal, antibacterial. I'm wondering if at some point, like you only want to use it for a certain amount of time and then you want to stop in order for it to not interfere with the body's natural healing properties? Um, here would be my take on that. We can certainly, you know, run that by Dr. Griffin next week. My take on that would be, mm. um, what would cause you to have to overuse this? Only two things I can think of. You are really accident prone. I mean, how often are you getting wounded where you need this? That's one issue. Uh, for most people, I don't yeah. think that would ever be an issue because you just don't get that many wounds or the case would be the wounds not healing. But that's what this does. This helps the wound heal so much faster. Now, is it possible that maybe we could get somebody who is still, and this is why I just won't work with people who won't change their diet. Because it's possible if you have somebody who doesn't change their diet, their immune system might just be weak enough, their wound healing might be poor enough that this may help them. It absolutely would help them, but would they, could they end up overusing it? I, I don't know, and that may be a good question. I have a feeling for people like us that, you know, if we use this, we're gonna heal so fast that you're not gonna be using it much, and how often are we going to get wounded that we have to use it? Hopefully not often. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, so I, I, I used properly along with a really clean diet. I, I don't think that's an issue. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's nothing about this that, that suppresses the immune system. So No. I wasn't thinking about it from the from like an immune perspective, more from a cellular regenerative yeah, perspective. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. But you know what, we've had that concern about other things in the past, and it turns out that's not as much of a problem as we thought it was. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, uh, what else you wanna talk about? We have a couple calls, we could get to some calls. Uh, I talked quite a bit about it's the garden calls? already. Yeah, you were you were trying you were getting into the garden. You said you have a ton of was it onions or oh, garlic? Well, garlic or I think I'm really in good shape on. So garlic, we use right around a head of garlic a week. It's a pretty normal rate for us, which means I need 52 heads to get me through okay. the year, and I have about a hundred. So I have plenty to replant because wow. I'll just use that same garlic to replant in the fall. I have plenty to replant. I have plenty to eat, and we've got backup. So I think I'm good for the year on garlic. Onions now, I don't know how many I use in a week. 
and it's not as consistent. Some weeks I use a lot, some weeks I don't use any. Uh, so I don't know exactly how many onions I need. It seems like I might need an awful lot of onions to get through a year, uh, but I've probably got about 300. So, and they're big. Okay. Yeah, wow. they're really big this year. So uh, I think I'm pretty well set for onions. And if you store them properly and there's a process of drying them that I'm going through right now. And, you know, I was talking about, we have ideal conditions for gardening. Also have ideal conditions for uh, curing things like onions and garlic need to be cured. Uh, cannabis needs to be cured. And once you do that, they can last a really long time if you do that curing right. And really what it is, is it's like a gentle drying process. And right now, throughout the summer, we tend to run humidity levels like in the 40s, crazy low humidity and a nice breeze yeah. all the time. So it is like ideal conditions for curing this stuff outside. Yeah, sounds like it. We couldn't do that here. No, it, it's really hard in Florida. You have too much humidity. It's so hard to get anything to dry out. So you would have to use like rooms with fans and dehumidifiers or, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff to get something like onions to cure properly. Exactly. Hmm. So uh, the other thing I, I and I was talking about in the garden, it it is just becoming this incredible ecosystem. And like I said, you can walk, you know, 50 yards to the next property and there's none of that going on. Oh, OK. Yeah, it's just it's wild to see it all. And, and every year it just keeps getting better. Very cool. The other thing, I, I, so you've heard me talk about how I was so excited. I found all these, like my little army of bugs instead of any kind of chemicals yeah. or, you know, I, I just have bugs doing all the work I, this year. So cool. Yeah. It's kind of interesting this year. I don't really need the bugs. Oh, I, I had, I had one aphid outbreak on my peppers. I think I talked about it. I did buy some ladybugs. I turned them loose in 24 hours. They cleaned it up and it was bad. I don't even know where it came from. Um, 24 hours, they were gone. 24 hours, 24 hours gone. They, there, there were some, there were some of my pepper plants where the entire leaf and have you ever seen an aphid? Oh yeah, we have yeah. a ton so, on so our So you know, they're, they're really hard to see though, right? They're the same color as the plant. They're really tiny. Like you have to look for them. But yeah. this outbreak was so bad and it was inside the trailer. I don't know if that had something to do with it. Like an entire leaf would be covered with them. They weren't on the stems like they normally do on plants. They were on the leaves, the leaves covered. Uh. And it was incredible to watch. I just opened up this bag of like 1,500 ladybugs and they just went to town. They, they can eat a lot of aphids. It was hilarious. In 24 hours, they were just gone. Um, other than that, <laughs> I, I haven't brought in any of the wasps yet. I haven't brought in any praying mantises yet. I don't need any more ladybugs right now. I, I'm, I'm just wondering, I, I don't seem to have any of the problems this year. Yeah, sounds I, like it. I don't know if the, the, if the soil and the plants just keep getting healthier and healthier each year, and that's just what happens. That, and maybe you've, you know, you've brought in enough that they're kind of, it kind of created their own life cycle maybe out so. there. And yeah, maybe so. Maybe All right, well, let's get to, uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, welcome. Howdy. What's on your mind today? Uh, my wife. 
uh, diverticulitis. My wife has had a preliminary diagnosis that she's quite possibly got diverticulitis. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, probably, yeah. so I, I Googled it, and I don't know whether it's right or not, but, you know, they say, oh, more fiber and nope, less totally wrong. drink totally, more water. To- totally yeah, well, I wrong. Thought it probably, Completely thought it probably was, wrong. But, yep, won't do a thing to fix this. In fact, fiber can actually irritate this. Yeah. So yeah. what actually causes it? Or Processed foods. What actually causes it? Oh, okay. Yeah, she eats that. Yep. Yeah. Processed foods, no doubt. Okay. So yeah. good. Uh, you uh, know, uh, risk factors. Go ahead, Laura. There are other risk factors, like stress, um, cortisol can trigger leaky gut and things like that. Um, omega-6s from the processed foods, the grains, um, the lactose sometimes if someone's sensitive. We did it. I know we I, I have a whole um, write-up on it. I that I think we did a show where we discussed it in May of last year. If you can dig that she's up. A, she's a high alcohol consumer. I don't know mm. if that has anything to do. Probably I, I did see, well, yeah, and, she, and, she, and she smokes as well. I did see one thing that said smoking will definitely more than likely help it is what i saw so i am help it along yeah i i really am starting to believe that everything about our lifestyle can contributes to every one of these medical conditions you know that we have the big drivers of it that we know like a highly processed diet but certainly alcohol smoking all of those things make all of these problems worse nothing happens in a vacuum and the good news is when you get rid of all of those things, you get rid of all the problems with them. Yeah. The functional medicine approach. Because she won't get rid of the smoking and the alcohol. And the, Correct. Yeah, so. Right. And, and, and like I continue to have issues. You, you, you may find some natural practitioners or functional practitioners that will work with somebody like that. I just won't. I just won't. If you're not willing to change your diet and look, I'm not telling everybody they have to stop drinking and smoking. We recommend it and it will come up in a consult. But, you know, okay. But we also tell people if you continue to smoke and consume alcohol, we certainly will not be able to get the results with you. We get with people who don't do those things. But if you won't change your diet, then forget it. I I, I just I can't work with somebody like that. It's not just a waste of time for all of us. Yeah. Well, she she eats better when I'm at home because I'm not eating crap. That helps. And yeah. But when I'm not there, when, uh, yeah. But I'm only home like two, three days a week, maybe. But I'll, I'll be home for the probably a week now because I'm not going out to. I'll be home later today, but I'm not going out to after July the fourth. So yeah. So there she'll eat go. good for the next week. And, and it helps. More often than um, not, she eats crap. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as long as that is the case, then I tell people, look, you might as well, if you're going to eat the standard American diet, you might as well stick with the standard American doctors, which is also sad, the standard American drugs, yeah. which is also sad, and you'll experience yeah. at some point the standard American death, which is also sad. Uh, it all works. But yeah. that, that's... Uh, there's just no way around it. Our lifestyle, our food supply, our lifestyle has become so unhealthy, uh, it's hard to even imagine. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess we'll, once she goes and gets the colonoscopy, 
maybe we'll find out more and we'll go from there. But oh, oh no, she probably won't want you, to change you, her lifestyle. Well, but, yeah. they won't even ask her to. Or if they do, what they recommend will be wrong and won't help this whatsoever. She is destined for yeah. um, more drugs and, and more medical procedures. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, she needs to, she needs, uh, her microbiome needs to be rebalanced. She needs to reduce leaky gut and the inflammation that's been caused by all of the things that you mentioned. And um, she needs to increase her gastric motility. You know, if she has IBS or constipation, she needs to work with, a, with someone who can clean up her diet and address all of those issues I mentioned. Otherwise, it's not. It's unfortunately not going to get any better. Yeah, it'll get worse. Yep. Yeah, because I, I wasn't I wasn't going to get home till um, Monday afternoon. Well, when I talked to her on Saturday morning, and she says, "Oh, because she's had kidney stones as well, so just another one to add to the list." And she says, "I'm not emptying my bladder, and I'm constipated, and I'm in pain." And I said, "Well, go to the doctor." Well, uh, when are you going to be home? I said, not going to be home till Monday. I'll just wait till you get here. And it should be Monday afternoon when I get it. And in the end, I changed it. And it's like, well, I'll just take a detour. And then I'll double back to make my delivery on Monday. So I went home, got home about just after midnight Saturday, and then wasted half a day on Sunday. Oh, let's go to the hospital and waste a half a day. Hey. To- I just had a thought. And they gave us some drugs. What a surprise. Yeah. yeah. I, I just had a thought. I was going to run this by uh, Dr. Griffin, but I, I've got my notes, so I'll save them for next week. Uh, we learned some new stuff about this um, last week when we were talking about light balance and minerals, but I, I've still been thinking about this. So, Lauren, I, this has always been a conundrum for me. When we eat the standard mm-hmm. American diet, which we know how bad it is, but you know what? I didn't really experience a lot of muscle cramping. I mean, occasionally I would, but it wasn't like it was an ongoing problem. And then when I started eating really clean, all of a sudden, if I didn't supplement with minerals, I had muscle cramping. We talk about it all the time. And if I stop taking light balance, I'll get them back. And that's always bothered Mm -hmm. me. Why did that not happen when I was eating the standard American diet? But now it's happening when I eat a really (laughs) clean diet. And and I think I may have just thought of something. So as soon as he said kidney stones, we know that's a mineral problem, right? Mm, Definitely. And and the answer that they always give us is absolutely wrong. They want you to take more calcium. It's actually going to make things worse. Uh, And we, you know, we always combine and confuse all these vitamin D, calcium. We are taking all these supplements and the problem actually gets worse. I think what might be happening is the mineral problem is showing up in people eating the standard American diet. It just shows up in very different ways. We do get kidney stones and gallstones and weak bones and osteoporosis. We have huge problems with minerals if you eat the standard American diet. Yeah, maybe it's just manifesting a little differently, like one's more severe than the other. That's what I think. And occasionally everybody gets a foot cramp or a thigh cramp in the middle of the night. And it, so I, I don't get those ever anymore. Oh, actually, I did. Yeah, I they're had, not like I, I had one of my toes the other night that was really weird. Didn't last very long. And um, but I, I think I, I that may be a big part of this, that there absolutely are huge problems with minerals when you're eating the standard American diet. They just manifest in very different ways. Mm hmm. Yeah. 
That's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that, but it definitely makes sense. It's like your body's showing you signs by a muscle twitch or a cramp when in, you know, the standard American diet, the more advanced situation, it's like, oh no, your kidneys are in a bad yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah, or your gallbladder, you've got gallstones again and, and, you know, oh, and your bones are getting weak. You've got osteoporosis and that, that it, those are huge issues with mineral imbalance and deficiencies. Very true. You know, she gonna, she going to suffer from all of that. She's already had, she's had one hip replaced twice because she fell which, and busted the hip and then they... Which is a nutritional deficiency. Yeah. Yeah, well... So here, here let's think about this. Fueler. She's we, running high on alcohol and... Uh, uh, right. Yeah. And, and nicotine, and uh, she's running on heavy fuel. Uh, yeah. I had a thought. What was it? Uh, Mineral nutrients. I know. I, I just, said about the broken hip. Oh, yes. Uh, it's not natural to trip over the sidewalk and fall hard enough to break a hip bone. Yeah. But we act like it's normal, and it, we even talk about it. It's one of the worst things that can happen to a senior citizen. Fall and break a bone. It's like a death sentence yeah, for them. Yeah, it can be. Well, so, why are these bones so, breaking then, so damn easy? Look, I I busted my hip. I know how much force it takes. It took a, a motorcycle yeah. traveling at 70 miles an hour to hit a car traveling the opposite direction at 35 miles an hour. It was a 100-mile-an-hour no, impact. Uh, uh, to break a hip bone. Yeah. Why do people, why can people fall yeah. out of their rocking chair and break a hip bone? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah well, so, that so when, when she, when she fell the second time and then it split because the piece that goes down inside the bone and it split there. So, but when the, when the surgeon did, when he did the surgery, he put the second hip bone in there and he, he told me, he says, I made her leg back to the correct length. He said it was a half an inch shorter from the first guy that had done it. Oh, boy. Well, and... Yeah, because she, she always said to me, she says, my leg's shorter. And I said, you full of shit. Well, she'd stretch out, and sure enough, it looked shorter. But, and then he told me after <laughs> the surgery, he said, I made it the same length this time. Believe it or not. Wow. Believe it or not. <laughs> and I do believe the surgeons could screw this up. But believe it or not, imbalanced hormones can cause one of your legs to be shorter. Yep. Remember the functional test, Lauren? I I do, actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a nutritional imbalance that can cause... We, one of our functional tests, just like a lot of chiropractors do, we check the length of your legs, and almost everybody is off. And it's a nutritional both deficiency. Both of mine are short. It can, it can short. indicate adrenal fatigue. Yeah, both of mine are way too short too, yeah. but that's different. Yeah, she's she's probably got the adrenal fatigue too. Uh, I'm, right. I'm guessing that. So, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so she's yeah she's hitting everything. She's checking it off. She's lived a hard and fast lifestyle, and it's catching up to her pretty quickly. So. That that I, I, you know I would venture to say that's about ninety percent of the population. Mm -hmm. Well, she she drove she drove a truck for many years. Um, Heavy drinker, heavy smoker, loved to party. You know, always lived lived life in the used to live life in the fast lane. Now she's in the the wheelchair lane, parking lot sort of thing. So, yep, yep, she is. Yeah, so, yeah. she's in the wheelchair lane now. That's right. So, mm -hmm. so. 
All right. right. I'll carry on. Okay, right. thanks. Talk to you soon. Let's go to Nevada. Ron, welcome to the program. Hey, hey Kevin. Great show today. I, uh, I'm back from Maui, and I got all my stuff taken care of. And the next thing I got to do is come up there to Hood River and do two hours of live music on Labor Day. And then the, I was looking at how I was going to do it. So <clears throat> I can come up. Uh, I'll meet Sunday, Sunday the 20th, and be there Monday the 21st sometime during the day. And uh, I'll be able to start playing the five hours a day in the garden on Tuesday. And I'll do that every day till uh, Labor Day. I'll play Labor Day. I, I want to do that every day. But also, also, okay, I can do a performance, a dinner performance every day that I'm there for an hour, okay? Uh, that that I could, that's no problem. So uh, I, I may combine. So I want to make, make sure you do that. Yeah, I may combine a couple ideas here. So we have some artists okay, that want to okay. come and paint and hang out in the garden while, while we have some musicians playing music. And I don't know what I'm going okay, to be doing okay. yet, um, but I, I've got some ideas. My neighbors, every time they walk by the garden and they, you know, want to look at the garden and see what's growing. And somehow we always talk about, you know, they'll ask, well, what do you do with all this? And I'll tell them, you know, I save some, I give some away, I eat some. Um, same thing I do with my money. Save some, eat some, give some away. Uh, well, no, I don't eat the money, but um, I can. I, we consume it, we use it. Uh, and so it always turns to fermenting. And I have a ton of neighbors like, oh, I got to learn how to do this fermenting thing. And I'm like, listen, I can tell you in about four minutes how to do this. Well, no, I, I really want to see it. Why don't you do a class? So maybe we'll just combine this into a big event. I'll do some fermenting classes out in the garden and we'll have musicians and artists and it could turn into a whole festival. Hey, 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 I, that's, that, I knew you could do it, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I thought, hey, yeah. I, this, this is where I'm coming from, okay? I'm all about music, okay? I My health journey and my music journey got intertwined in, a, in, in my 20s, okay? And now I'm reaping the benefits of being 69 years old and a dedicated musician, okay? And it's really unbelievable. I, I There's stories, uh, it, it, it's so good. And, and Kevin, this is why I want you is because I want you to put the Garmin watch on me. I want you to test my blood, whatever you think <laughs> to get, to get whatever go. kind of test you want because there aren't many people that did approach it like I do. I, I don't know of any. I, I, I have a lot of dead friends and I have a lot of musician friends that got arthritis and tendonitis and uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. <clears throat> and, and, uh, and I got a lot of people that hate me because I, I'm 69 years old and I could go get a, a hernia operation and leave the hospital the same day. And uh, 
it you know not affect me that's awesome but uh yeah hey hey and i uh i want you to document it really because okay. you're the only one that could understand it all yeah all right i think we, so it's uh, great so i, I think we've I'm got a plan be, i'm gonna be up there okay yeah and i'll be up there monday the 21st all right we'll start planning and and uh and five hours in the garden and one hour. Okay, five hours in the garden, that's practice. Practice, whatever you want to call it. I'll do a one-hour performance every night at dinner time. Because that's, that's one thing I'm good at is, is uh, playing music while people eat. All right. I've been so, doing that um, for a long time. I love that idea. So I'm getting some thoughts here. So... Maybe we should turn this into a, like a festival event. Uh, maybe we'll even do a really cool dinner and we'll charge and we'll give all the money to one of my favorite charities. Hey. So wait, what, what about this? What about, um, we just had a couple of these the other night and they were so damn good. Um, we've been cooking like two pound bone-in tomahawk ribeyes on the big green egg. Oh. Uh, they are so good. This is just, it's just, so I'm thinking a dinner of a big bone-in ribeye and everything else is fresh out of the garden, whatever happens to be um, in the garden at that time. We'll do a dinner with this. Kevin, I'm the exact opposite of a foodie. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> There's one that I, I, I watch what I eat, but uh, hey, hey, do do whatever you want with the food. I'll, I'll do the music. And there, that's you all I do. there you go. There you go. All right, Ron. Don't don't expect anything besides music and statistics so, from the smart watch and however you want to gather them. Okay? Yeah. So so here's the way I look at this: like your your music is your art. <laughs> And then we've got some painters and yeah. some other people that, that that's their art. Uh, food is kind of my art. It's stuff that I grow. You know, right. the, the garden yeah, itself is like a palette of color and textures. So that that's part of art for me. But then harvesting that food and, and doing something with it, preserving it or cooking it and enjoying it. That's like my art. I, I know how it works. You know what? Musicians need food guys more than food guys need musicians uh, you know i love <laughs> I, I, I love music while i'm doing everything whether it's gardening or cooking yeah and you know only there's only a couple yeah. different styles i really enjoy so i tend to listen to the a lot of the same music so it's either going to be um like 70s 80s classic rock kind of stuff or it's going to be and i don't even know what the right word is for this but but basically mostly yanni and yanni like music uh tim janice and anya yeah. and some of that that in the background for me when i'm doing stuff is just magical almost great great hey i uh Bruce like Hornsby. I said, I'll handle. Yeah, I, I I listened. I've listened to everything, and I've been listening to it for many years. Um, well, I'll just give you one. This, this is one thing that Chinatown band revolves around, 
is why I was in Hawaii, I was in Maui, is because uh, there's a musician, he died uh, May 18th, 2020. His name was Willie Kay, and he literally uh, did his whole career on Maui. His dad was a musician, and he's been, he was playing alive from the time he was 10 till uh, days before he died. He was making YouTube videos, okay? And he's, he's the best musician that ever lived, and I'm not exaggerating. And I got, <clears throat> well, uh, he, he's the big kahuna of the Chinatown band. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Got it. All right. <laughs> and, and, but, but anyway, I, I just thought I'd throw that in because it's a it's a huge part of everything that I do. Excellent. Love that. All right, Ron, we've got a plan. Uh, and, we'll and, 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 keep working on it. We've got to get to some calls. We've got to watch our time today. We, You know what I forgot to do, Lauren? What's that? I should probably do it here. I think I can do it if we get a conversation. I forgot to schedule the um, spaces today. Normally, I schedule it ahead of time. Normally, I do it on Monday for Wednesday, oh. Thursday, and Friday. I just totally forgot this week. Oh, I didn't realize you did it ahead of time. I, I do. So, you know, then I can remind people and they can set a reminder and everybody knows what time it is. But I just totally forgot this week. So I got to do that. But let's uh, let's knock out some more calls. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome. What's up, Kevin? What's up, Lauren? Hello. What's on your mind Back today? to that, uh, to that gel, uh, healing gel. So, um, I got, I, I like my property, well, butts up to a pond, like a swamp, so there's a lot of mosquitoes. So I, I had to buy one of those mosquito machines. I put it far away and it wasn't working. So the other night I was out there cause the grandkids are still here. So I'm out swimming in the pool and I was moving the mosquito thing over and I got bit by it. The, they almost looked like flies. I don't know what they were, but they were tearing me up for some reason. I don't know why. So obviously I got bite marks on my feet, all over my feet side my my arms and i'm bad with that stuff like that when i was a kid we always had dogs if they had fleas they would flock to me i'd get flea bites <laughs> oh you know yeah I, I can't i can't control scratching uncontrolled scratching so of course i scratch myself almost raw because it itched that much so being i've been swimming every night with the grandkids and all that so i haven't been putting anything on it so last night i got out of the pool i'm like you know what man i'm gonna throw some of this on before i go to bed Put something on. I got up in the morning, and the difference in the color of the, the you know the, 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 the scratches changed dramatically. I mean, it was getting looked like it was getting a little infected, not not infected, infected but it was tender and a little raw. Right. Yeah. I put it on last night. I got up this morning. It dramatically changed. So I put a little bit on before I put my socks on and all that. And I just I I swear by that 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 gel. Again, I just wish I would have had that when I had that burn from the motorcycle on the leg it, because it, it, it's, yeah. it's, you I, can't I, explain it. You really can't. <laughs> I, I am just blown away by the difference it makes. And you know what's cool? Like when you like you guys you know, obviously order stuff in the store. Like uh, whoever's been doing it, they throw a little. There's like a little packet, a first gel packet. Yeah. And I, I got it. I got that in the truck, obviously. But if you anybody doesn't use it, it's, it's great to have because, like I said, just a little bit, and you don't need a lot. And it, it's it's mm. just realize that that this stuff is not no you know. Uh, snake oil and none of that crap, man. Stuff works. It, no, this is the real deal. 
Yeah, and like I said, for years, I avoided the whole colloidal silver thing. I didn't understand it. I didn't really see a lot of results. Uh, I couldn't find any other practitioners that were using it. And, and it turns out we just had the wrong formulation. We just didn't understand it enough. Yep, yep. There was something there, and that's why people kept trying it. But we just weren't getting the results. The science was there that said it should work. I just never saw the results and I didn't see other practitioners. So when, when Dr. Wilson really started to explain this to me and I saw some of the results they get in their practice and, and then it was explained. Um, it, it's the it's the formulation that, that mattered. And once you get the formulation right, then all of those things that should happen actually started happening. You know, he's a, Dr. Grimm is amazing too. Like I said, I said this the last time I was on, just the way he, he put, simplifies everything. It's, you, you know, it's a joy to listen to him. So. You know who he reminds me of? Um, Jason Fone. You know, I, I avoided his books for a long time for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, and then when I read the mm. first one, I'm like, holy cow, is he a good writer? He makes everything so easy to understand. And I think he's got three books. All three of them were like that. The obesity code, the diabetes code, and the cancer code. They are just really well written because he makes it easy to understand. Yeah, that's huge. All right, I'll let someone else get in that up. But like I said, this stuff's not snake oil. It works. It'd be great to have in the truck, just a yeah. little package of it on a bottle. Well, like I said, if you buy $50 worth of anything, now you get the travel size. So let's go to Utah. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Hey, Kevin, uh, I, I was calling because uh, I have apparently a bunion on my right foot. Okay. And I'm wondering, is that a broken bone or did I break my foot or what? What happened there? Would you know? Um, and you know, will I need? Uh, we won't. When did you know. get it? One of the more common reasons for this is usually not a broken bone or an injury. It's poor shoes. I do have poor shoes. Yeah, that's usually the They're cause. Very loose. Um, They're very loose. Typically, yeah. it's it's um, too narrow. If shoes are too narrow, and a lot of shoes are. Um, that can cause it. This is almost like a bone or a joint that that works itself out of place over time. And one of the more common reasons is just poor quality shoes, poor fitting shoes, that kind of thing. Well, I do have kind of sandal-like shoes, so I tend I I load. I you know I load uh, when I load. I climb cars a lot, and so my foot will slide forward into the narrow part of the, the, the shoe, you know. I don't wear sandals. So, They're kind of like a... So the, the, there are ahead. some other things we can look at here. There, there's a genetic component that can play a role here, and it's just based on the shape of your feet can, can make this more likely. You could have some deformities at birth that can make this more likely or you can have an injury or that ongoing injury of poor fitting shoes. Those are all the causes for this. Um, one of the things that we haven't talked about it a lot, uh, I don't, I have one pair of these shoes, I think, and it's mostly because I just don't wear a whole lot of shoes anyway. Uh, 
but there are there's a, a couple lines of shoes out that are really really natural shoes like they don't have big arch support all, all that arch support crap that's all bullshit you know when we go back to hunter gatherers there there were people who ran you know 20 miles pretty regular in bare feet and it never hurt their arches and we don't need all this crazy arch support and cushioning and so these these natural shoes are much thinner they're usually leather soles so you still get some grounding going on um, they have very very little support whatsoever but that's a much more natural approach to our feet okay kevin and my question is do i have to go see a doctor should i get surgery or just wait it out that i feel no pain i don't feel anything then no don't it's get just, surgery the only reason to ever get surgery on this is because it becomes so bad it's just uncomfortable and and we can avoid that so if you have no pain now then we can fix this and you'll never need surgery okay so um and i just wanted to go check some of these shoe brands um the the one that i have got is actually called zero shoes there's some other brands out there that are, that are probably pretty good too, but this is the one that I'm familiar with. I've met the owner and talked to him. Um, we thought about doing a partnership. I just, shoes are kind of weird. Like we're really not gonna sell shoes in our store. So I, I, I usually just recommend these and it's zero spelled with an X. So zero shoes, I think that's even the website, um, but it, it's zero shoes with an X and they make tennis shoes, they make sandals, uh, they make some more casual shoes, but they're all very, they're what are called minimalist shoes. So if you wanna search and look for other brands that would be like this and compare, search for minimalist shoes. And, and that's what you're gonna find. And there are probably, I don't know, half a dozen brands or so on the market. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that, Kevin. Um... Yeah, I think you are right. That's going to have to be those shoes I wear because they're comfortable because uh, when I'm working outside by myself, I, their ugly shoes are old, but they're really wide, and you know. But uh, Typically, it's a more narrow shoe that causes this, but any poor quality shoe can lead to this. So don't just don't get really narrow shoes. That's not what you want here. You want a shoe that fits relaxed. Right. So I that, understand. So that when your foot, when you stand barefoot, your foot spreads out a little bit, that's your natural footprint. Your shoe should fit that width very comfortably. Shouldn't be too wide, shouldn't be I too understand. tight and constricting. And then again, these minimalist shoes, we don't want all that big arch support because that starts to change the shape of your foot. Uh, we want natural materials and that's what these shoes are all about. Okay. Can I ask you one more question, Kevin? Sure. On my other foot, my left foot, the roof, the roof of my foot is like I get these pulse pains when I, I'm more like when I'm sitting down, this pulsing pain on the top. And uh, I'll get up and start walking around. It'll go away. But when I sit back down, it'll start pulsing again, pulsing pains. Does it almost feel like electric shocks? Feels like a pain, like a, uh, a pulse, like boom. 
So when you say the roof you know, like, of your foot, I don't really, uh, do you mean the top of your foot? The top, yes, the top, the very top, right right by the ankle, right in front of, the pain is right in front of the ankle. This isn't. And it's been going on so, for months. So one of the things we're concerned about with feet is what's called neuropathy. Diabetes causes neuropathy. High sugar levels, even if you've never been diagnosed. I, I know people who their first indication that they were diabetic was neuropathy pain. I've dealt with a lot of people like that. Neuropathy tends to be the bottom of the feet and it tends to be, it tends to feel more like your foot fell asleep. Like you get that, that almost like electric shock, kind of tingling. Um, and, and it can become very, very painful at some point. And what's happening is the sugar is actually coating the nerve endings in your feet. It's called glycation. And, and it's, there's just have that much sugar in somebody's body that it starts uh, coating their nerve endings. It's similar to what calls, causes Alzheimer's. We have glycation in the nerve endings in the brain and that can cause Alzheimer's. Uh, in the extremities, it causes neuropathy. But this doesn't sound like neuropathy. This doesn't sound like anything I've heard of before. I almost wonder if it's mechanical, meaning again, poor shoes, um, you've kind of screwed up your ankle or something. I'm just not sure. You know, I, I may consult on this would be a chiropractor. Yeah. Because it doesn't yeah, well, sound like neuropathy, <clears throat> but it doesn't sound like anything else that's common either. No, I watch my sugar, Kevin. No, and I, and I know that, but... <sighs> I've had people over the years, this isn't saying you, I've had people over the years that swear to me they're eating low sugar, they're eating clean, low carb, and they have neuropathy. And, and I'll tell them, you need to go back and check because I, I don't think you are. I believe you are, and this again, this does yeah. not sound like neuropathy. Yeah, it's, this is the, the top, the top of my foot, right where the ankle connects right you, right in front. It's like uh, uh, the nerve, if you feel the top, if you feel the roof of your foot, you'll feel that nerve right there. You feel that nerve. That's the one that's pulsing. That sounds mm -hmm. like we may have some sort of ankle issue. Um, this is the opposite foot that has the bunion though, right? Yeah, it's the opposite one. Yeah, because even the bunion could have, could have caused enough mechanical issues that it would cause this, but that's the other foot. I, I think I would try a chiropractor. I think somebody's going to need to physically look at this. Right. Wouldn't have nothing to do with diet, right? Eating uh, some bad uh, bad uh, food from a restaurant? No, no. No, huh? No reaction that I'm aware okay. of that would happen from eating an occasional bad meal here or there. Nothing that I know at all. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll check into those shoes, Kevin, and I appreciate it. Thank God you said no surgery. That made me feel better. I, I, you but, know, um, I... There are people who will tell you they had bunion surgery. It was wildly successful. I, I'd still rather avoid it. And and you're not in pain, so now is not the time to even think about no it. No pain. Yeah, let, I, let's. Yeah, let, I don't feel let's, anything. Let's try to fix this naturally, and and that way you may never need that surgery. Okay. All right. All right, Kevin. Take we'll care. Take we'll talk to you soon. Uh, We've got lines open. If you want to jump in, 855-950-3835. Let's go to Dallas. Mark, welcome. Kevin, I need some help from you and Lauren. I've been, uh, I'm 60 years old, and when you switch your diet, I switched mine, what is that, like eight, nine years ago? Yep, coming up on nine years. 
Yeah, and my I've been having problems with my PSA. It's uh, it's been anywhere from five to like eleven. Who cares? So when it first went up, my doctor. Who cares? Well, okay. PSA okay, is a horrible uh, measurement for prostate cancer. It's a horrible measurement for prostate cancer. Okay, what about a? I had a four K test. Is that is that anything? Is that the same thing? Four K test? Did you say four K? Yes, they got a test. It's called a four K test, and I just had one of those. And what were the results of that? Well, my doctor said it came back that I had an, an aggressive form of uh, prostate cancer. Oh, he's even calling it an aggressive just, form, huh? Yeah. Can you? What can you tell me about this 4K test? You know, you know, you're a lawyer. Y'all know anything about that? I, I do. I don't know I, about a 4K. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that's what you were okay, saying yeah. was 4K. Um, right, 4K. One of the things they're using the 4K score for, it's not really a test, it's a score. They are claiming that uh -huh. it could eliminate a lot of biopsies. So as far as that goes, right. I'd rather see this than the biopsy, but I don't think this is necessary either. Because Kevin, he the first time it was up, first thing he says biopsy. So I said I'm not gonna do that. So I had a 3T MRI and it came back like they could see something, but it was you know it was inconclusive. So, so anyway, so here here's mm -hmm. part of the problem with this test. It uses your PSA score as part of this, and PSA is just not a good indicator for prostate cancer. It's very inaccurate. It's not reliable, right. it's not, and, okay. and that this new 4K score still uses the PSA. So, it, so mm -hmm. would you read or listen to a book if I recommended one? I bet I've already had. What's the name of it? Uh, it's called Overdiagnosed. I have. Kevin, I've been listening to you for years. I've listened Did, to that. Just go back and listen to it again. Okay. The, the minute your doctor starts talking about prostate after you listen to this book, you should run the other way because everything they do about this is just wrong. This is nothing but a big money-making process. There, You can find prostate screenings all over the place free. Why do they offer all these tests free? Do you think they really care about us that much? They want to find something so they can that's exactly right all they okay. need to do is find one number elevated and it scares the hell out of you doesn't right. it mm -hmm, sure does so now they're on to the biopsy oh but and the biopsy is kind of dangerous we have this new score but guess what the new score is probably going to lead to a biopsy anyway and so there's there's several factors here. This is one of the hardest topics I have to talk about is what we call medical screenings. So let me define what a medical screening is. If I have a symptom, let me let me let's say that I start getting these sharp pains in my upper back on the sides. That could be a kidney stone. So I have a symptom and there's a potential problem and I would want to know what that is. So I may go in and do a screening for that kidney stone because I had a symptom. That That's fine. Right. That's medical testing. I'm okay with that. But mm -hmm. did you mm -hmm. have any prostate symptoms when this process started? Other than uh, 
what is it, the BPH? No, no, that's not he a said symptom. It's enlarged. That that's not a symptom. Well, uh, that's something he. Well, I'm peeing a lot. That wouldn't be a symptom. Yeah, that we that could, was, and we can address that one. That one's pretty simple. But if that's it, then when they go to right. do and think about this, don't they give us a certain age where they mm-hmm. recommend we start doing these PSA tests? Right. Well, why? Just because I'm 50, why do you, why do I need this test? I have zero <laughs> symptoms. That's screening. I am right. completely against most medical screening because all it is is a way to get you into the system. That's why they do most of these things free over and over and over. All they right. want to do is get you into the mm-hmm. system. I do everything I can to stay out of that system. So some people will say, but it's just a screening. What's the harm? There's lots of harms. First off, the minute you hear you have an aggressive form of prostate cancer, what goes through the roof? Your stress levels, right? Right. That's horribly unhealthy for us. I got- so right off the bat, we've right. got a problem here. Um, and we're using numbers that aren't mm-hmm. very accurate. Now we're going to head down the road. Oh, well, you need a biopsy. Do you remember the story about the the prostate biopsy from overdiagnosed? I sure do. Yeah, the guy wasn't that old. He was pretty healthy. He had right. a high PSA uh-huh. score. That was all, just a high PSA score. Oh, well, right. we need a biopsy. Well, that mm-hmm. biopsy is a whole bunch of needles poking around in your prostate because they can't see it, and they just take random needle samples and sometimes they find things and sometimes they don't, but there can also be a lot of damage done. That guy was incontinent, he's got to wear diapers now and he'll never have sex again. Mm -hmm. Over a biopsy. They are, there are dangers to these things. There are big downsides. The stress of all this, the biopsies themselves are invasive. And as it turns out, that there are two common forms of prostate cancer. One of them will be so aggressive and it will move so fast, the testing won't save you anyway. And the other one is so slow and never causes a problem that there is a saying among naturopaths and functional medicine doctors, almost all men, if they live long enough, will die with prostate cancer. Almost all men will die with prostate cancer, but not from prostate cancer. It's common for us to get some malignant cells. They can cause a few issues. They're never going to kill us. All right. Well, I feel a whole... So that's what he said. Oh, we got to get you in here for a biopsy. No, I'm not doing it. Now, at at, at some point... At some point, it's very possible I'm going to have Mm -hmm. this conversation with somebody and three months later, they're going to be dead and somebody's going to say, oh, my God, you Uh killed them. They should have gotten the biopsy. No, if they're dead within three months, the biopsy wouldn't have saved anybody. Right. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like I said, I've been listening to you for years and I've, I've heard the book. You know, I take a bunch of these supplements. I'm real careful what I eat. Go back and listen you know, to it I, again. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been a while, but okay. All right, I will. Yeah, you'll you'll feel better if you do. Yeah, you're right, though. When I got the call yesterday, that's, you know, the first oh, thing popped in my mind. 
Oh, no. It, it terrifies yeah. us. Yeah. I can't think of things that would cause right. more stress than that. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you, Kevin. You and Lauren have a good day. You're welcome. Thanks you for the call. Well. Lauren, what, what about right. this? I mean, I, I'm just speculating here, but think about this. Um, we have people eating the standard American diet, so we know that and this isn't the case here. He says he eats clean and he has been for a long time. We, we can still get high PSA numbers, happens all the time. But think about the traditional. You know, we've got somebody who's already sick, they're eating the standard American diet, they get this diagnosis, your PSA is high. But we have Now, stress levels go through the roof immediately, right? And this is gonna be maybe weeks yeah. before you can schedule to get in for more testing, so now, we're doing huge amounts of damage to your health with all this stress. How stressful do you think a biopsy might be? We, we could be oh, turning small, non-invasive cancers into big cancers with this process. That's true, this is true. But how do you know if it's cancer or not? How, how do you get to the bottom of that? Well, even if it is, the, the point on prostate especially, and, and there's a whole issue with breast cancer on this that's really, really big. We should not be doing all these mammograms. It's a horrible idea, but we keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And it, it can very well be cancer, but we all have cancer. Right now, all of us do, and our immune system's handling it. So a lot of these, they could be cancerous. When we have the biopsy, it doesn't mean it's going to kill you. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, we do have, you know, we all have the cells for cancer. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a matter all the time. of how quick separating. Yeah. yeah, we all have malignant cells that they're common. Our immune system takes care of them. We never used to understand that it's our immune system that saves us from cancer. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to Louisiana. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, so you were talking about that guy calling in about it, and he's worried about cancer. Well, and Tony Robbins, late, one of his latest books, and then there was another book I read read about this in before him, and I just don't remember. There's a test called a Grail test. No, it's a uh, that's a, the website. It's gallery the gallery test. It's like nine hundred dollars, and it's for early cancer detection, and it's a blood test, and it goes in there and it tests the DNA and. It, it, it tests all kinds of things where you can catch it really, really early, like before you would even think you had a, a possibility of it. Uh, and then there's another test that some of the functional medicine doctors use called the uh, the Dutch test. And these are like over $600. I think one's 600 and one's like five, uh, 900 I'm, or whatever. But I'm they're very not familiar with, the, they're like blood with the Dutch test. I'm very familiar with Dutch, and we use so, Dutch for things not cancer. It can be used for cancer. We use Dutch for all kinds of things. It is a good test. I am still very, very leery of anything looking for cancer. There, There's just a lot of, uh, what's the word I want to use here? A, a lot of scams, a lot of money-making schemes. Well, yeah, there is. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think the whole cancer, the whole curing of cancer is a scam. For lack of a, it's a scam for lack of a better word because right. and, you read the book about and, the, the the treatment and the drugs that come out they're all failures and yes. then yet they go back to chemotherapy and they try to sell you on that and it's like I, no i'll just so, opt out of that because it's it's all proven to be a failure so here's the thing if the treatment is a horrible failure and it is why why do we even want to be diagnosed 
Well, I'm not saying think we should stick our head I, I in think, the sand, I think, but I, I am taking a no, very different the, approach think, to this. I'm not testing for any of this. Well, I, there's look, I, there's, no, not, that's there's you, but there are people that the smoke and they my, this buddy of mine that he's not a truck driver, but he's had hepatitis so, C. He got in the military. So Mark, uh, he so, smokes like a chimney, and he's I, completely go ahead. And this is why I won't work with anybody that does these things. Because I, I take a 100% yeah. different approach. In my world, we do everything we know how to avoid getting sick, whether it's cancer, metabolic disease. Well, I agree with we you. We do I all mean, the I, right I, stuff. And after that, I'm going to let nature take its course. Well, prevent, and that, and that, you know, that's the whole thing is to try to prevent before. Because once you get it, I mean, that's kind of like, well, because you it's like you don't just get it overnight. It's like something you have to work up to. Uh, it's like, you know, like somebody doesn't become 400 pounds overnight. They work up to that and they're not, they're not going to lose 400 pounds overnight. And it's the same way, with, I believe, with cancer and these metabolic diseases. It's just something they work towards. Here, so, here's here's another approach anyway. I take, and people may think this is extreme, and that's too bad. This is the approach I've decided to take. I, I believe you can't straddle these two worlds. You, you can't leave one foot back with the doctors and the pharmaceuticals because we're scared of oh, these diseases and think we're going to get the best results. They are everything they do is working against our health. So, so have you seen the latest thing on Pfizer? I saw it this morning on Twitter. Apparently, 30% of the shots in some countries were pl pl uh, placebos. They were like guinea pigs. They just gave them, like, nothing. So uh, I, what I'd like love they, to they know, if, if they did this, and I'm not saying they didn't or did. I don't know. I, I Anything is possible. I, I certainly could see it happening. If it did, I, I hope it comes to light, and I hope they're forced to give us the data. That's well, what technically that's it, uh, what Daniel should have happened in the trial. But here's what they did in the trial. So in any good trial, we call them double blind, placebo controlled, peer reviewed for a reason. There's a specific way you do the trial and you have to do it that way to get the best results. And you still can't guarantee anything. There's too many variables, but that's that's part of the problem we're dealing with here is there's so many factors involved with this but i just here go ahead years ago you recommended a book called rigor mortis remember and it's about how corrupt the paper writing the, the oh, trials and everything is because it's oh, all geared no, I, toward I, I mean got, i got off track it, and i never got to my point you, on that thank you for talking about the trials yeah. so you also in these trials you have to have a control group and it's the control group that gets a placebo so that nobody knows who got the real drug and who got the placebo that's how we do trials and it is the best way and then we can say without the researchers don't know that's what's double blind the researchers don't know who got the shots and the recipients don't know who got the shots and who got the placebo. That's double blind so that nobody is influenced by knowing who got the drug and who got the placebo. Nobody knows. And then you report the results. The problem is early on in the vaccine trials, 
they gave the control group the vaccine. We yep. had no control group at all on this test. So maybe their control group was secret. Maybe they were doing this 30% of shots. But if that's the case, then show us the data. Well, yeah. And my point is bringing up that book, Rigor Mortis, was how these researchers, they write a paper and the peer review that they are after is kind of like automatic and it's like the reason they write these papers and they never really prove anything and they can't duplicate it is because it's like that's how they make their living. They get okay. paid to do this, but they don't. So here's how this whole thing works. They, they do a big review, a test, a trial, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what the real results were. If you dig into the data, you can find the real results. But what they do is they write a conclusion, a summary. And you would be shocked at how many reports, uh, trials you can go read if you can understand how to read these things. And the summary tells exactly the opposite of what the data tells us. It is insane how this happens. And guess what the summary becomes? The summary that says, look, statins reduce heart attacks by 78%. No, they don't. The data does not show that at all, but you wrote it in the summary. And then the summary becomes headlines. And that's what the mainstream media talks about for the next year. Oh, look, statins reduced heart attacks by 70%. No, they don't. That was an absolute lie. There, there used to be a Twitter account called In Mice, and they would, I don't know if it's still there or not, but it would like bring up the points that there was these trials or they, they would come to these conclusions and it would be like In Mice. Well, a mouse is not a human, just like, you know, neither is a neither is a rabbit or these animals that they they're like vegetarians uh, that they eat uh, plant oh. plant based diet, <laughs> and, but they, they give them these these they give them these you know uh, different types of food that will that's not what they eat. Yeah, you know, oh, meat causes cancer. Well, in in mice, you're referring to a very specific group of tests. And it was done on cholesterol in the early 1900s, and they used rabbits to test for cholesterol. Rabbits are yeah. total vegetarians, and they fed rabbits a bunch of protein and fat, and they got heart issues. And they used that, they've used that for about 100 years now as proof we should be taking statins. That's how corrupt yeah, it, this it, testing it, is. It, it, the, the whole system is corrupt, and it's like, and nobody seems, I mean, they, they just, it's, it's a way of life for these people to, like, perpetuate and make money. And it's like, you know, they'll, they'll create a drug. Well, it cured, a, it cured, here's the gold, this is going to cure cancer. Yeah, well, but hold it never on. worked. Yet nothing because cures they can't anything. Duplicate the, nothing the cures anything. We don't have drugs that cure anything. There's one class of drugs that actually cure things, and we've abused those horribly. Antibiotics do Antibiotic. actually cure things, right? They do address the root cause of the problem, which most drugs never do. Antibiotics actually do. And we have bastardized them and ruined them because of overuse and misuse and all kinds of crazy stuff. The one class of drugs that actually does something and we've ruined it. So, yeah, so just eat clean. That's it. I mean, that that's that is I mean, the that's answer. It. I mean, it, it's it, a simple, it's a simple fix. It's like just you know, eat eat a natural diet of you know what you, we used to eat years ago, and lay off the the modern 
agricultural products and the, the processed foods and you know we we, we could do yeah. this in and, stages and, read the label. and and i do think for a lot of people doing it in stages does help and what i mean by that is the first stage should be to start moving away from processed foods and all grains are processed there are no grains really i the closest we could come is growing your own corn and walking out and picking a cob you know, a, a, an ear off the plant needing it. I, I guess that's an unprocessed grain. But that corn is just not a natural food anyway. We created corn. Well, it's been it, it's been so GMO that that, it's, that too, it's right? But not even, but so not even it, worth if it, we not just even worth start trying. to eliminate processed foods, at that point, I don't even care about the quality of the meat or the vegetables. I, I don't care if you're buying them from Aldi's. I, it, it's still. 30 times better than the processed crap you were eating. So make that transition first. Just start eating not processed food, meat, eggs, vegetables, fruits, things like that. At least they're unprocessed and natural. Then we can, the next step yeah. would be improve the quality. And, and then, you know, we get down to where I am on my diet that I am specific about not only which vegetables I eat, but which varieties of vegetables, because I can control that. I found sweet potatoes that have lower oxalate levels. I can't buy them in the grocery store, but I can get the seeds and grow my own. I, so now I'm down to tweaking my diet that much. I, I'm gonna be picky about which plants I eat. I'm gonna find better varieties, but I can't take somebody that's eating the standard American diet and talk about them. they should be growing their own cucumbers. No, they just they need to clean out their pantry. Yeah. And, and you know, Yeah, maybe we should just to, eliminate you know, the pantry in a house for a while. Just I mean, just give them a list. It's like you can you 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 used to say this, you know, eating, you know, like the paleo meat, fish, fish this, eggs, that, you know, and just dairy nuts and seeds you know, yeah, right the whole like look, look. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and we've yeah, maybe just go down just... we, we've even simplified it it just freaks people out it, we can go I, i've gone much further i don't use that list anymore because there's a better way eat animals and lift heavy stuff once in a while it, that's yeah. really the prescription for being a lot healthier and that's as simple as i could possibly make it yeah, it, it, and it really is simple. It's, it's just, you know, just avoid anything in a box. Yep. And most of the crap they sell in a store anyway is not worth eating. It's not it's even just, food anymore. When when we now learn that, and I'm going to cut you loose, i got to get to a couple more calls. Uh, when we now learn, Lauren, that 60% of people's calories are ultra-processed. Lauren? That's crazy. Oh, there you are. I, I, I believe that, by the way. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then yesterday I was talking about this, and we should spend more time talking about this. So 60% of our food isn't really food. Ultra-processed, that's not food. Uh, that's awful. And then I started listing yesterday all the chemicals we smear all over our body every day. Mm. It's awful. Yeah, I, I, I know it's this will really, never catch on. It's not even a very popular topic. I wish women would just eliminate makeup completely. What a horrible idea. I, it is a really, I mean, there's so much toxic stuff out there. And, and what crazy. is the purpose of it? Really? Uh, there's only one purpose behind makeup, and we should probably think about it a little more. It's just pure vanity, right? 
Yeah. There, there's really no is. there's no health benefit to putting there's no there's no real upside now somebody's somebody out there some woman's gonna call me or some man or somebody's gonna say but it makes them feel so much better and it makes them feel beautiful no it, it might but that's only because we've brainwashed them well, I go, yeah, okay, so maybe it does make you feel good but that's a problem why can't you feel good with your own eyelashes yeah yeah, it's true. And that's all it is. And yet there are lots of people who defend it. Oh, no, it makes a woman feel beautiful and that's good for her mental health. No, she's brainwashed. She's delusional. It's not good for her mental health at all. <laughs> oh, it's so true. I, so what if it does make you look better? It's not real. No. It, it's like you're really <laughs> proud of your beauty. No, maybe Revlon should be proud of your beauty. They created it, not you. If that's what makes you beautiful, all that stuff you put on you, you have no right to be proud of that. You didn't do it. No. But you know what true. really looks beautiful? Natural, healthy, glowing skin and eyes and hair and people that are a normal human weight. That Those things are beautiful. Yeah, I agree. There's no doubt. Yeah, actually, Ryan way prefers me to not be wearing makeup I, for me to have my hair all crazy and natural. Yes, I and, do too. A lot. It's not even close. I, I, I look at these overly made up people now and I swear all I can see is chemicals all over them. I know. It's true. And you know what's making it worse? instead of better this isn't getting What's any that? better it's getting worse all the filters oh i know <laughs> right so you see these filters Hi. now where women no longer have pores in their face have you noticed that their faces look kind of plastic now yeah so <laughs> so if they keep taking all these pictures with filters you can't wear a filter around so what do they do they try to recreate this look with makeup I'm starting to see younger women now that look like cartoon characters. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have friends that I tell when I see them, hey, you should, you know, like take your hand and wipe some of that off because it just, <laughs> it kind of looks like a clown. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's so it. unnatural. I know. Very true. Uh, all right. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it's become the norm. It, it has. And, and to try to speak out against it, you become like the lunatic. Oh, it's just makeup. It makes yeah. them feel good. What's your problem? <laughs> uh, let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome back. Yeah, uh, to put out two things. That, that uh, The PSA, I did my, I think it was 45. I, w I went how to call the hospital. Kevin, I woke up. I think I told you the story. I woke up with the pipe and noise put in my ass, and it, it, I, I started swinging. <laughs> it was the most uncomfortable thing I ever did. And I'm like, and the, and the guy, and they're like, oh, calm down. I'm like, no, you don't. I was dropping that. You don't understand stand what you just did. I woke up. And, 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 and the pain after, they, they, so what did they do? They shot me with more stuff, put me back. I was in that recovery room for four hours. Waiting to come out of it four hours after they did it for a procedure they I, said it takes about two. I know four I, hours. And, I was dead to wait. And there are definitely dangers to that. I've had 
people get their intestines punctured, people die. It does happen. And it happens way more than most people yeah, think. I, and there's no real upside to these. I, I have decided when it comes to cancer, I'm not doing any screenings, I'm not going looking for it. I am going to live as healthy as I can and we'll let the chips fall where they may on this one. I, I the last time I've been to was was at a doctor was back in Wisconsin and that's the one I recommended. So that was seven years ago, and I won't. I, I was more than that. Don't probably like nine. I, I I just won't go. I don't even have a doctor down here in South Carolina. Now for that guy that with the car hall, he said it was a car hall that went with the that that pain in his foot and all that. Yeah, Paul could be yeah. attested. If you're climbing. You're climbing around on stuff. You're, you're doing. I found out when they had a model change. You got a new model if you if he's hauling new cars. Your positioning on the truck when you're moving, you're using a different. You got to position yourself a different way to get into the car. That could be it. Just, a, just, just a, a, a thought for him. If he's hauling a different model or a newer model or a, a different line of product, when you're climbing around to adjust yourself to make yourself into a magician to get into these cars, when you're loading them and unloading them, you're putting different stresses on different points of your body. So he should. That could possibly be what he's doing. He's yeah, using a different. Something. He's put positioning his foot in a different spot. And, you know, it something could be something that at. simple. Yeah, something to look at, no doubt. Yep. All right. Okay, later. All right, good stuff. Let's go to <laughs> Illinois. Mike, welcome. Hey, how's it going today? Hey, uh, uh, I was going to talk uh, down the road from where I live in Indiana there, about, I don't know, five or six miles, there's a farm called Piner Ponds, P-Y-N-E-R, Ponds, P-O-N-D-S. Pretty He's, he's regenerative. He's the only su- supposedly certified in Indiana grass bed. And uh, I go down there and I watch him do it. He actually had a, or a year or two back, he actually had a day called Joe, Meet Joe Salatin Day, so I know he's on the right track. Oh, cool. Yeah. But uh, but it's amazing. I watch him raise these chickens. You know, he's got all kinds of animals and their local meat locker processes all of his meat and he's got a store in greenfield indiana also that you go in and buy all the stuff and they also deliver to you it's amazing to watch him raise these eggs and or these uh chickens and these you know all the eggs that he sells and the way he sets up these <clears throat> bins and, and he goes across say a 40 acre field and he'll have 10 of these fences slash buildings set up to where they can <clears throat> have their eggs and some of them have little chicklets and you know, mid-sized chickens. They, they line them up across the field, and they pull them every 30 feet. They're probably 30 foot by 30 foot, and they pull them across the field. And it's amazing to see that ground turns in. It looks like a plowed ground, you know? Yeah. First thing they do before they pull them through is they, they you know, mow, rake, and, and bale the, the, the grass, and it's short. And then they have the egg or they have the chickens go through there. And then you can see a week later how that grass is coming back and how green and full it is and everything. And then they'll turn the cattle in after that. And it's amazing how they, you know, do this, this 40 acres or whatever they have just for the chickens and the stuff that they can raise. It's just- when, when you see these systems at, at Joel Salatin's, I mean, everything is so interactive and um he says all he is is a grass farmer that's all he does is grow grass the animals right. do everything else yeah yeah and it's incredible yeah. how it all works together like they pack the the pig barns with manure 
um, in the winter and that, you know, insulates. And then in the spring, the, the manure is all composted and the pigs start rooting around in there. And I, it just, just on and on and on yeah. how all this works. And all we're doing is mimicking nature. That, that's really all we're trying to do right. with regenerative farming. We're trying to create the same. And, and if we're talking about cattle, we're actually trying to recreate what happened on the Great Plains. Yeah. And and it's, uh, how did why and how did the Great Plains region of the United States become the world's breadbasket? Unfortunately, we chose to grow grains there, but we grew them there because it was the most incredible topsoil in the world. It was tens yeah. of feet deep. There were plants and grasses that had roots that were 20 feet long going down into the soil. And that all happened because of the bison and that natural cycle. So in, in you know, cattle farming, we're really trying to recreate what happened on the Great Plains with the bison. You know, up there in Nebraska where I grew up, I grew up on a ranch. And there's, there's the ranchers in those places. They're really no better. I mean, they're just great stewards of that ground, you know, not overgrazing. And, you know, if they overgraze and, you know, yeah. it's so sandy that, you know. they got to keep it grazed over and then you know the the trees the cedar trees grow up and they get together and they have big fires and they they burn off the ground and you know keep the trees in the canyons from growing too much and it's just amazing what those ranchers do up there it it is it's not it's it's after it's the farming and and after the cattle leave the ranch and they go to the feedlots is where the problem is you know and it's our big mono crop farming giant you know, right. a million acres of corn and a million acres of soy and nothing grows like that in nature why do we think right. this is a good idea and, to do this it's not you know where the those tens of feet of topsoil all over the midwest you know where it is now no probably it, in the air no I it's, don't know. It, it's in the gulf of it's mexico gone. and that's what causes all of those big algae oh, yeah, yeah. that we have to worry about that kill all the fish and yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Man. yeah it all yeah. washed because hey, we, we, we stopped doing that natural farming that created all of that and we started doing chemical farming which strips all of that we destroy the topsoil and it washes away our soil can't hold water anymore and it washes away. It ended up you know, in the Gulf, and then we get these big algae explosions because we're now we're washing not only good topsoil into the ocean, but all these chemical fertilizers that cause things to grow, and we're screwing up our oceans. In the uh, in the winter time, growing up, one of the things you would do is uh, is you would put an electric fence around all the uh, after you pick the corn, and you got the corn stalks and stuff. And of course, you know the combines and stuff back then weren't as good as they are now so there was a lot of corn left on the ground so you turn the cattle into those corn stalks and they clean all that corn up so it wouldn't be volunteer yeah but that's a problem but they you know it was used yeah i know but they but here's the here's what the problem is now is there's so much nitrates and they can't some of them can't do it anymore because it that the nitrates in the ground is killing the cows well, the corn is killing Turning the them into the corn stalks. The nitrates worse, yeah. but corn, the nitrates and, yeah. corn will kill a cow. It's not its natural food. It can't digest it properly. 
Yeah, but uh, you know they never had that problem before. But now it's because of all the all the uh, chemicals and stuff in the ground. No, they they did have the problem before. It just wasn't as bad. The minute we started feeding corn to ungulates, we had a problem. It's not their natural diet. They can't digest Mm -hmm. it properly. And so then we yeah. start giving them antibiotics and all kinds of other stuff because we're feeding them the wrong food. And, and it, cows are designed to digest one thing and one thing only, grass. That's all they eat. They, uh, I guess they, they've, like, tested the corn stalks and all that kind of stuff, and they have to, you know, see you know, the nitrates and everything that are in the in the so, stalks versus so, what it used to be it, but, because, because uh, of all the anhydrous and all that they put in the ground for, again uh, you you're, know. you're right every problem we could trace back first off they shouldn't be eating the corn stalks period but they are and now right. we find out those corn stalks are worse than a natural corn stalk might be because of it's just the right. whole system is so corrupted <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's terrible what's happening but hey i was going to ask you another question <clears throat> do you think those bees and all that stuff when you walk out in the garden get to know who you are i talk to them i hope so i actually do i know people might think well, I'm nuts. i talk to my plants i talk to all the birds uh, well you're not you're not you're not well you're a weirdo like me because i got a i got a nest for probably 10 years of bumblebees in the upper right hand corner of my shop now i got a shop that's you know, it's like 70 by 100. And up in the corner of the door that opens up, there's a nest of bumblebees up there. And I show up when the weather gets good. And it used to be there would be five or six or ten of them swarming me. And, I, and, and they don't bother me at all if you don't bother them. Well, now I can show up at my shop and there'll be one or two of them come down and I'll talk to them because they'll be buzzing right there in my face just hovering, you know. Yeah. I sit there and talk to them and stuff. And then pretty soon they leave. It's, I've tested it with the neighbor and my wife and different people have come over. And they'll come over and they'll stand at that door. It's the front overhead door. And when somebody shows up, there'll be five or six of them come down and swarm their heads. <laughs> and I always tell them, just, they want to swat, you know. And I said, don't swat, don't swat. They're, they're just checking you out. They're just checking you out. That's all they're doing. And, and, you know, and I'll be standing around them and stuff. And they'll buzz around these who's ever there, and then pretty soon they'll just wander off. And, and you know, it's kind of funny because when I show up, there'll just be one maybe. They'll come down and check me out. But somebody else shows up, there'll be five, six, I, seven of them come down and check them out, you know? I thought I was the only weirdo that but, talks to bugs, but, yeah, I, I talk to everything in the garden. Yeah. I, I, I do believe but, that, but I, do, yeah, yeah. I, I do believe there is interaction going on at some level. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, bumblebee. I just, I just think they're one of the most beautiful bees that there is. They're big and they're colorful, and they get right, they're right there in your face. And I, I mean, I literally sat there and talked to them, and it's like they're listening or something. It's weird, you I, know. I know they're they're fluffy looking too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd run that across you and see if. It, there's something to that. I, I think so. People can call me crazy if they want, but uh, I talk to everything in the garden and I think it's listening. Uh, Lauren, you know how um, if you look at plants and flowers and different things, they'll say, you know, these plants attract hummingbirds and these plants attract bees and these plants attract butterflies. And uh, you're familiar Definitely. with that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have found one 
that attracts more pollinators of all kinds that I have ever seen and I've never seen anybody mention. I've never seen anything written about this particular plant, but I have a pollinator party going on in this plant every day. And I'm trying to even document like which species, there's bees, there's wasps, there's all kinds of crazy stuff all over this bush. And the bush just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's a perennial, it must love the conditions right there. Um, And it flowers like crazy, not big flowers, but it's almost covered in tiny little flowers and the pollinators just go nuts. You know what it is? What is it? Oregano. Oh. I've never heard that, to use oregano to grow, to attract pollinators. Oh. I, I should like go take a video of it. it. It's, you know, if you just walk by, you might miss it. But if you stop and look, you all of a sudden realize there might be hundreds of pollinators on this bush. Wow. They're just like swarming yeah, all if, over. I, and, but bumblebees are a big one. He mentioned bumblebees and that's what I, I see the bumblebees, but I've got little leaf cutter bees in there. I've got mason bees, I've got wasps, I've got, they just are just swarming all over this thing. Yeah, I love bumblebees as well. Yeah, very cool. Let's uh, let's go to Oregon. Eric, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Um, I just had to actually put FAK because I just had a bunch of things. I hope I can remember a few of them. Oh, I thought you but, wanted to talk about <laughs> freight all kinds. So that's that's what it means. That's, that's why I put I had her put that because I didn't have any specific topic I wanted to put on there. But um, now. Now we could, put, I, it could also be oh. FAQ, and that would be frequently asked questions, but FAK would be freight all kinds. That works. I, I honestly don't think I have any questions. Everything about my diet still comes back to the diet itself, because I've been spending 10 years trying to eat right, and yet my bullshit carb addiction just won't let me. But that's my problem. There's nothing anybody else can do about that. Right. Um, but the one, one comment I wanted to make, you were talking about cosmetics. And what, I don't know if you ever watched like old Westerns, you know, TV shows or movies or read the books. I don't know. But do you know what they called the prostitutes back then? No. Just, just, just as a common reference. Uh, nothing vulgar. Uh, no. Nothing's coming to mind. Think makeup. Well... They called them painted ladies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, now that sounds familiar. Because women didn't wear cosmetics back then. Only the women who worked for a living, shall we say, wore makeup. And it was also because they were ugly as sin. And <laughs> I mean, they needed the help. And, yeah. But, Interesting. Interesting. I, but, um, you know, and I, I have to say, I, I've always kind of been this way long before the health thing. I just, you know, sometimes you see some women who are really good at applying very subtle makeup and it does make them look better. Mm -hmm. Most of the time to me, it's overdone, looks unnatural. Um, But either way, to me, no matter how good it is, I don't care if you have the best makeup artist in the world and it looks really natural, it's still not. Right, I mean, one of of my ex-girlfriends she was beautiful without makeup, but she wouldn't believe me for a second. And she was the kind of person that, you know, I always wondered what she was trying to do. But every time she was just going to the grocery store, she'd spend three hours on her hair and makeup. And I'm like, 
you know, if you just want me to leave, just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, like, I don't know what you're shopping for, but, you know. Yeah. I, I like a woman who just throws on some, you know, scrubby clothes, puts her hair in a ponytail, and goes to the store. Exactly. But, you know. Right. Like me. Now, something else I wanted clothes, to... Put throw oh, my hair in a ponytail, and go to the store. It was without the ponytail <laughs> part, yeah. I don't... I, I don't know what hair you'd be putting in a ponytail, but I probably don't want to see it. I, I, you know, like, occasionally well, my beard's been long enough, but I haven't done that in a while. Hey, quick. I've never seen your warehouse or your garden, and I just wondered, is there a way we could, you know, I'm coming through there tonight. I didn't know if you'd be willing to, you know, meet up with me and t- take me on a tour or anything. You know, I, I would. And you can say no. I won't be offended. You know, I've been thinking about this, and we're talking about, you know, doing a garden party, and that sounds like fun. And, you know, I, I do kind of value my privacy, and I'm pretty uh, kind of a loner. I like to work alone. I don't spend a lot of time with other people. But yeah. I, I have been thinking, you know, if somebody's that. coming by, I, I'll try it. Here's what could happen. A month from now, I might say, all right, this uh-huh. has got to stop. Uh, it's just got to stop. Uh, but let, let, I, I, let's try it. Now, look, if it's going to be 10 o'clock at night, probably not. Um, but if it's reasonable and I've got some warning and there's nothing else going on. So, yeah, stay stay in touch. And, you know, there was a time when I was um, hand delivering well, all the yogurt stuff. You know, I did a lot of it. I met a lot of people in that, town. And, yeah, you met you met me down there yes, for that exactly. exact reason. Right, and that was the same kind of thing. You know, it was casual. You warned me at a time. We stayed in touch, and and it worked out that I was available and I wasn't doing anything. And uh, but and like you said, you know, if I say no, it's not a big deal. I'm going to say yes this time. Um, sometimes people might ask me. I say I'll say no. Uh, there's just no way it's going to work for the next couple of days. I got too much going on. But I, I will occasionally. So don't be afraid to ask. And if you want to swing by tonight and it's a reasonable well, yeah, time, we'll, we'll do a garden tour. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because, I mean, I'm at... Uh, now, here's, 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 uh, what, here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to make I'm this... I'm only a few hours away is what I was trying to say. Oh, okay, good. I'm going to make this beneficial. You don't know where our warehouse is. Is that what you said? You've never been there? No, I don't, yeah. Okay. And, of course, I don't so, have any phone number for you because you don't talk to people on the phone. No, I don't. no, I, I don't. So, but we, you can, you can contact the warehouse up until the time they're gone. And then I think last time, I think I gave you my number and you, we were texting. I'm not sure, but I've, I've done that with people because it, well, at this point, I'm I gonna, had a number that well, I was going to say, you gave me a number that uh, I could text for the purposes of letting you know that I was in town for the yogurt. But I got the impression, I mean, the number was under Aaron's name, and I didn't know if that was a number that was actually yours or not. So, it, it is, and the um, reason I don't, I don't, I don't, the reason I don't think I, don't, I still have it. Well, I'll give it to you. The reason I don't really care if I give it out, I don't answer okay. my phone anyway. So I, don't, I, don't, I really don't care who has my phone number. I don't answer it. That's just how it is. If I see that it's Bruce or somebody, I still don't answer it. I'll, I'll probably call him back later. <laughs> If I see numbers I don't recognize, I kept it, even if they leave voicemail, I don't listen to them. I, I, it's just well, I kept it for a while just so that I could send you a text when I knew an answer to something. Like you know, you couldn't think of a word, I'd send yeah. it, but I never knew if you were actually getting it. So because yeah, you never responded, I, so I didn't know if that was actually yours. No, I have I have a lot of people who help me answer questions. 
on text. Matt does it all the time. <laughs> I, I've got a lot of Joel, you know, will text me answers all the time. They, I have a lot of people that make me look even smarter than I am, uh, which I love. Um, but yeah, we can we can do. Yeah, the, I've gotten uh, you to. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a qualifier on this. Okay. So I'll explain it to you, and you'll re- you'll understand okay. when you get here tonight. You're going to park at the warehouse, uh-huh. and you're going to walk to my house. I'm not going to come down and get you. Okay. You're going to park at the warehouse. You're going to walk okay. to my house. I'm going to estimate that it is 250 yards from the warehouse to the house, but That's it's straight uphill. I- it's a big hill too. I, I was straight uphill, like you know, it's like a cliff. Steep. <laughs> it is. It's it's one of. I don't the, climb very well, but yeah, it's one of the steeper roads I've seen. I I have tried to figure out what percentage it is, but it's steep. Um, it's it, it's one of those walks that in the beginning of spring, when I've been a slug all winter long, um, I usually have to stop about halfway up to catch my breath. You. You go to Moab, Utah, occasionally for a vacation, or at least to you know sit in your trailer once in a while, right? Used to do. Bruce and I used to do a ton of four wheeling in Moab. We have all kinds of great Moab stories. Did you ever go to that restaurant that's at the top of the hill? It's got that steep climbing road that goes up to it. No, I know exactly which. I know exactly which one you're talking about, though, on the north side of town, and you can see it from the main. Road that runs through town there. I know exactly. I, we stay yeah, at the, the RV park that you could see from that restaurant. There's an RV park right there on the north side of town that's got well, owner lots. I walked up. I walked up to that one before. Back when there used to be room to park a truck at the bottom of the hill, there isn't anymore. They okay. paved it all then, over and blocked it up. Yeah, this is shorter than that. But, but now that one, I had to stop and take a break on the way up if it's that steep. <laughs> yeah, this, this is shorter but steeper. Um, but that's going to be the qualifier. Oh, wow. So okay. if somebody wants to come, okay. you got to park at the warehouse, you got to walk up to the house, and then I'll give you a garden tour. And you So know, there's actually a place you, to park at the warehouse then. I figured I'd have to park out on the main road. So No, we can get we can get one truck. If you got two trucks in there, it'd get a little complicated. But one is pretty simple. If there's nobody in there, there's plenty of room to pull in and turn around. It's a small industrial park, so... Uh, and right next to us that almost shares the parking lot is a trucking company. Oh, okay. Their parking lot I don't know why I don't, as many off, times as I've gone through there, I've never figured out where you guys are at. I just, I just never got the address to look it up either. So, so technically, I looked on the website and the address isn't there. Technically, if you're on 84, when you're on 84 coming through here, when you pass in between the 47 mile marker and 44, those are the two weird exits we have here in town. Um, right yeah. in between, at one point, you're about 75 yards away from my house. Oh, okay. Because I mean, I've come into Cascade Lock several times. I've eaten at the Gorges Brewery or whatever it's called down there. Uh, Gorges is a new brewery. Thunder Island is, uh, we, you know, I always joke, we, we don't have any stoplights in town, no traffic lights. Uh, you know, some people say we only have one traffic light town. We have zero. We actually have no traffic lights anywhere in town, but we have two pretty good sized brew pubs. Oh, and they, 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 they both brew their own beer. These are full blown breweries. Uh, that just have restaurants there, but they brew and distribute their own beer. Um, Thunder Island, they're actually friends of ours that started it. We, they actually. Oh, I ate at that. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I, I also, I forgot, I also eaten at that one time at that restaurant that's by the hotel on the uh, west end of town. Yeah, that... It's a really nice place, but it's kind of like, it's kind of a cafe setup as you're getting, you know, you're getting your food on a tray. Right. And then going over to the table or something, if I remember right. Yeah. But no, that, that place It's got a bunch is, of guns and Indian stuff on the walls. And, and it's famous. People remember that place from 60 years ago. You know, they stopped as kids. I hear that oh. all the time. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cascade Locks, the best way for me to describe it is no matter which direction you're going, but even more so if you're heading west on 84. I describe Cascade Locks as a giant rest area on steroids because you get off the exit yeah. at 47 and it's it's almost not even an exit. It's like a rest area. It's a long straight ramp that comes right into town, becomes the main street in town. And if you stay on it, you end up right back on 84 again, three miles down the road. It's just like a rest area. You just roll through and you're right back out on the highway again. And there isn't even a traffic light. And you know, you parked in town, right on the main street. And there actually is a rest area there. You can't park right in front of it or anything, but you can, you know, it's only a short walk from where you can park a truck. So that's nice too. Yeah, we, there's a scale there in town. We can park at the scale. Um, so it's kind of a unique little town for trucks. Pretty truck friendly for how small it is. So you just want me to you know, call call the call the warehouse store, get the address from them, and they'll give you my number to text Sorry? me as well. Oh. Yep. Okay, but then I'll just go there first, and then okay, cool. Um, now, one other thing I wanted to comment on, and it was just something I was thinking about when Paul was talking about his wife. He's far from being the only one that I've heard. I, I've never been married, so I can't even imagine what it would be like. But to be, you know, to care something about somebody so much that you'd marry them in the first place. And, you know, his, his wife and many others that I've heard, they smoke, they drink, they eat shit food. I don't know if she's obese or not, but I'm kind of guessing she would be. And she just won't listen to anything other than what her own doctor says. And her doctor is just like you say, the standard American doctor who's going to give her standard American drugs and lead her to a standard American death. And I just, I, I feel sorry for these guys, you know, and, and women when it's the other way around, you know, it's hard. And I just, I don't know how the hell anybody copes with that. I've said many times, it's the hardest thing about learning how to get healthy and getting really healthy, not like health like we used to talk about. You know, we used to talk about health. Well, eat low fat, and if you're not obese, you're probably healthy. That's not what we're talking about anymore. We're talking about people becoming outrageously healthy. Like they don't get sick. They don't have any of these diseases. They're not taking any drugs in their 60s. And the most difficult thing about doing that is you want everybody to do it. You really, really want everybody well, to do it, and especially the people who you love and are close to you. And and it can be very, very frustrating because we just can't control other people. No. And something else I've thought about because of that is, you know, when, when somebody is completely clean, like I'm thinking Anthony Chafee clean, you know, he eats nothing but, you know, like I, meat mostly, but eggs and fish, I guess. But he, he doesn't even drink coffee. He has no plants in his diet whatsoever. People like him are going to outlive everybody he knows that doesn't live like him by 30 to 40 years. You know, and that's going to be true possible. of the, yeah. the 
the spouses that don't get on board. I mean, even if it's not that extreme, you know, a lot of people die in their 50s and 60s that should be living into their 90s and 100s. Well, the scariest thing you know, and, is, is for decades and decades, the average lifespan went up and it stopped. That should concern us. It's going the other yeah. way now. Lifespan is going backwards. And I'm not surprised at all. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised. Well, a lot that of that's because worse. kids are having type 2 diabetes. That's exactly that right. Is, so know. 10 years from now, those statistics that's... are going to be way worse than they are right now. We've got... <laughs> We've got an explosion of really, really bad health right around the corner. Eric, I'm going to cut you loose. Your line's getting really noisy, and we've got to move on. In fact, I should probably... Oh, somebody already did. Uh, Close the phone lines. Uh, Angie sent this over to me. This is for Mike. I like this. Lauren, here's the question. Can bees Mm -hmm. get attracted to humans? Here's the answer. Bees like the humans who take good care of them. Bees can detect human faces, which means they can recognize and build trust with their human caretakers. That's what Mike was describing. No way. Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. I know. I had no idea. I didn't either. Angie, thank you for that. That's, uh, That's a nice little tidbit for the day. It is. Yeah. All right, let's grab our final call today. We're going to have to wrap this up here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to head off to Massachusetts. Dave, welcome Hello? to the program. Hi. How are you doing? Good. What can I help you with today? I am just finishing backing you into the warehouse. We can tell. Uh, sorry, but half a second. <laughs> That's okay. I'll do a little song and dance while we're waiting. Actually, I'm just going to do nope, a dance. I, Nobody I'm likes my set. <laughs> I'm all set. Okay, good. I am wondering about a game plan for... I, I've been listening to the show for five years now. Been on keto for six. When I started listening to you, I started doing it okay. more better. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Uh, I've, been, I've been using a CGM for two weeks. And I've learned quite a bit. Good. I love that. And I'm wondering about a game plan to maximize the benefit. I'm going to do it another two weeks, type 2, type two diabetic. I was able to get my doctor to prescribe a uh, CGM. And, Excellent. Um, half of it came out of pocket. And the other half, I, I mentioned to the, to the pharmacist, it's all supposed to come out of pocket. But she says, oh, no, the insurance company is covering half of it. But anyways, um, uh, I was wondering about a game plan. Um, I'm, I'm listening. I'm doing everything, Kevin. <laughs> okay. So you I have just... a greenhouse. Uh, oh, excellent. Sorry. Excellent. So... Chicken coop on the way. Oh, that's exciting. So let's talk about how you can get the maximum benefit out of your CGM. Um, so you're okay, great. mostly keto. Tell me about the foods you eat that you would consider non-keto. For example, one of the foods well, I eat is white rice. I, That's a non, I, I would kind of call that a non-keto food. It's almost exclusively carbs. Um, and I eat some cassava oh. flour pasta, which again is just pure carbs. So <laughs> those are foods I was curious about. No, um, so no, I, I avoid those all. Sorry. 
Maybe you don't need to. or maybe, I avoid those all together. And I will tell you, you're probably better off health-wise if you just continue to avoid them. Um, what, what I, uh, how about fruit? How do you feel about fruit or honey? Berries. And I don't generally consume honey very often. Okay. When I get that sweet so, tooth, I'll have like a tablespoon. Okay. So like here's the thing. Blackberries, blueberries. I, I, I don't know that you're going to get much more value out of your CGM, which is okay because you don't need it. You've, you've settled on a way of eating that I can tell you there's really nothing for you to learn from the CGM. You're not eating any kinds of foods that would have any chance of spiking your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll Ooh, tell you how I like, used it. I, I do like white rice. I like to eat white rice maybe yep. once a week, maybe once every other week. I, I like the carbs and the starch and I, I see no negatives from it. So it's, it's another food I can add. And, but I wanted to know how is it really affecting my blood sugar? So I used the CGM and, and I was shocked. It didn't affect it nearly as much as I thought it would. What really shocked me was the cassava flour pasta. A single serving mm. is 56 grams of carbs. A serving. We tend to eat a huh. serving and a half because the box is three servings and there's two of us. And I can eat a half of the box. And so can Lisa. It's really not even that yeah. much pasta, really. So now we're talking about somewhere between 70 and 80 grams of carbs in one meal. And I thought, when I realized that, I thought, God, maybe I shouldn't be eating this stuff. I don't notice any problems. I was shocked. I can eat 70 to 80 grams of cassava flour pasta and my blood sugar goes up about 25 points. That's nothing. So that puts it at about 120 to 130. I'm still under the 140 safe zone. And I thought, how can that be? Is my metabolism that strong? Is my... Are my insulin receptors that sensitive to insulin that I can eat this, what seems now to me like a crazy amount of carbs and hardly see any movement in my blood sugar? And I think it's a combination of a couple things. I think I am that insulin sensitive after all these years. And I also think there's a lot of resistant starch in cassava flour. So the carbs are there, but we're not digesting it. Uh, that's my guess because my blood sugar should have went up way more than that. And it didn't. So those are the kind of things I learned. And I tested that with berries and honey. So I could see what my, I'm going to eat those foods, I've decided. Now, had I seen some crazy blood sugar spike, like 180 with the cassava flour, I would have stopped eating it. But I didn't see that. So these are foods I'll keep in my diet. Okay. Okay. No, the highest I've been is 160, 166, which is... I thought was pretty high for me. And I know that the CGM tends to run a little bit higher than the... Um, yeah, it can. Like the finger stick. Right, right. Yeah. So, so, so I, I'm glad you I, did it. And I'm glad you learned some things. But based on what you're telling me about the way you want to eat, you it sounds to me like you've got your diet pretty well dialed in and, and there's really nothing left to test that I can think of. Oh, here's some tests you might huh. want to do. I do have some ideas for you. Um, have you heard me talk about yeah. any of my stress protocol stuff? Yes. Do you have a that Garmin watch? That would make watch? sense. I do. I have the Garmin Instinct 2. Excellent. Diesel Excellent. trucking so, watch that I just bought from the shop, from the store. Excellent. Your so, store. 
you can see your instant stress level. It's on the watch and it's in your app. So what I want you to do is start doing things that will really make your stress go up and you can monitor that on the watch and I'll give you some ideas and then check your blood okay. sugar against your stress level. Oh, okay. I never with, thought of that. With no food. My stress level is kind of up there. Yeah, so... With no food. Yeah, so if we're going to do a test, you want to avoid food for about three or four hours. Just so we don't have anything impacting that was food. We want to just see our results from stress. And then go pick one of my four stress protocols. Either, you know, jump in a cold shower. Okay. Or sit for an hour in an infrared sauna or, you know, do some heavy resistance, just short duration, um, heavy resistance and watch your stress level and then watch your sugar level and, and see what you learn from that. Okay. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm loving that idea. Good. And then you have to report back yeah. to us. <laughs> okay. I'll do that. Love, loving the show. I'm always looking for it whenever possible good and um thanks so much for taking my call you're welcome and lauren we are right at 11 o'clock we couldn't have timed that any better oh wow perfect yeah so we have uh are you joining me on twitter yes what time uh in about 15 minutes well we'll call it 11 15 pacific uh, numbers might be down a little bit today because I didn't send it out early, but uh, we'll see. We've had some pretty good groups. Um, let's come up with a theme on the fly because I didn't have anything planned. Okay. What, um, any ideas? Oof. Oh, let's do this. Um, let's do this. You and I will think if we come up with something great. If we don't, um, let's throw it out to the audience. Text us, send us a message okay. on, on Twitter, send us a message. I'll check, you know. Healthy Tribe, anywhere. I mean, there's lots of ways to send me a message. If you've got something you want us to talk about today on the Twitter spaces, send it to us. Perfect. I think that'll do it. All right. Anything you want to close with? How's the pregnancy coming? Give us an update. It's coming along. It really is. I feel great, actually. Still working out pretty much how I always was and eating a little bit more than normal, but good. feeling good. Feeling good. blessed. Uh, what week are you in? Yep. 23rd week. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So like past the halfway point. Yeah. Which how is exciting. Really great. Like feel like, feel like it just happened, but <laughs> yeah, past the halfway point all of a sudden. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap this up and we will be back in about 15 minutes. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always. Do the hard work and master the journey.